0: Block Talk Radio Here to talk all things, women, mixed martial arts. Broadcasting at me on the ProMMANOW.com Radio Net. This is Pro. W-M-A now, And here's your host,
1: Gina Begley. Hey guys, I'm your host, Gina Begley, and I have just been informed by the boss man, Gary Thomas, to give him hell. So you all are in for a treat. I'm joking. <laughs> uh, anyhow, we are back after a short break, uh, hiatus if you will. Uh, Emily, I don't think, wanted to do the show last week, so I think she deleted it and, and claimed technical difficulties. <laughs> oh, of, of course, of course. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> <laughs> she was bitching the whole day about it. No, I'm joking. Uh, that's not that's not true. <laughs> I, I shouldn't blame her for such things. I'm, I'm a terrible person at times. Uh, anyways, we uh, had a little bit of a technical difficulties last week. Unfortunately, um My first instinct is to panic and start writing people and telling them that you know we're we're going to have to cancel and reschedule rather than uh try to fix the problem because i don't know how to fix the problem. I'm a computer tard. anyway, <laughs> it looks like it's going to be a go for the night uh, I'm able and capable and ready and 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 have my pro WMMA now beer ready. So I'm sure that makes everyone happy that I'm able to have a my 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 companion with me back with me now that I'm no longer cutting weight for fights. Um, tonight it is the Samuel Adams October fish. Can't get that anymore. <laughs> anyway, oh, I know I had some saved back, so lucky me, right? So if you're listening to Pro W M M A now, uh, you're tuning in to the Pro M M A now network. Uh, if you would like, you can sign into the chat room. Let us know how we're doing. Um, let, you know, if you have questions for the people we're talking to, you can uh, throw that out there. We also like to engage our listeners in um, the discussions that we have going on. So if there's a current event or something uh, relevant to M M A, uh, specifically W M M A, bring it up in the chat room. And we're always happy to, to hash it out and give our opinions and uh, shoot down your opinions and <laughs> all of those nice things. That's not true. That's not true. Only if you're Eric Colton. Um, but anyways, we, we really appreciate uh, participation from our listeners, so be sure to sign in. We have some guests in there now. Uh, be sure to sign in. Let us know who you are. Let us know what you think. Even if we're doing terrible, we, we promise to take it with a grain of salt uh, not to bash you or give you a hard way to go we we really do appreciate um the feedback uh so by all means please do welcome everyone that's in the chat room so far we have eric Holden, some guests and jason adams so far that are signed in um and as for that tonight we have i, I have the feeling that jeannie lou is not going to be with us i just i just have that feeling that when we try to call her here in about five minutes emily she's not going to be uh she's not going to be picking up but you never know
2: um mm-hmm.
1: Sometimes I just get a feeling. Uh, our second guest is an amateur fighter. Her name is Caitlin Dykus. Might be Dickus, Dykus. What do you think? I'm thinking Dickus or Dykus. 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 You don't want
3: to
1: say Dykes, do you?
3: I don't want to say Dykes, but I don't want to say Dick either.
1: So I, <laughs> I don't know how to
3: pronounce that name. <laughs> we will like, have
1: to I don't ask want her. to say Dick. huh? Oh. Oh dear, uh, <laughs> we're not supposed to say anything about dicks on pro W M A. Now we're in support of women. We don't talk about dicks, Ugh, not even the last thing. <laughs> oh dear gosh, <laughs> I know. Uh, <laughs> it's okay, Emily. I'm just giving you a hard way to go. Uh, since you're so uncomfortable at all saying it, 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 I can't help myself. Have to roll with it. I'm being called a creep <laughs> by the Uber creeper. Um, Anyways, uh, she's going to be our second guest. We're going to, you know, I had someone write me, and they wanted to know if we could get her on the show. And most of the time, we don't really have amateurs on the show. But, uh, number one, um, she's from Michigan, and I want to know what the hell goes on in in Michigan's amateur MMA scene. Uh, I'm a little confused by, by, you know, some of the stuff that goes on, because uh, from what I understand, they, they really are just a whole different uh, breed, if you will, or on on some of their rules and their sanctions, uh, even so that some states will not even allow Michigan uh, fighters to fight on their cards as a, um, you know, kind of as a, a thing on trying to get Michigan to uh, conform to to MMA rules, uh, what's, you know, common or what's, what's normal sanctioned rules. Uh, I could be wrong, but... Anyways, that's what I think. Anyways, we have Sarah McLeod that's going to be our last guest of the evening. I'm really excited to talk to her. Uh, She's super smart. She's super hot. Um, She's um, really makes, uh, man, I don't know. This girl's like, I think she just graduated with a degree in neuroscience or something, Emily. And Mm -hmm. she's smoking hot. And she's like um, also pretty badass, like a fighter. She's, uh you know, making it harder on the rest of us because we're not supposed to, you know, have the total package. We're supposed to have like a, uh a, 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 a be allowed an area for flaw there, and like she has none. So I don't know. It's intimidating <laughs> for sure. Have you seen her? Yes, I have. A beautiful woman, right? And she's so smart. Like neuroscience I don't even know what that is. is gonna have to tell. We're gonna be like, hey, I'm from Kentucky. You're a neuro, what? <laughs> um, so, anyways, I, I'm I'm super excited to talk to her and, and find out what she's got going on. So, um, we'll have her on later. And that's one of the things we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, you know, we were on break. Of course, uh, we did, I did fight over the weekend. Uh I did lose a decision 29-28 uh, on a unanimous decision. Um been talking about it a little bit here and there. If I've told the story once, I've told it a million times. Uh, it's kind of hard to like, uh, I've struggled kind of a little bit with the, with the loss. Um, you know, been going back and forth about it. Uh, kind of, I don't know, um, conflicted. Like I fought out of my weight class. I fought an undefeated fighter and, you know, all these things. Uh, you know, and it kind of makes you feel down, I guess, a little bit. But we've been. Kind of been going over that but i did well and i think some of the the idea is maybe that i was going to get steamrolled or that i did get steamrolled and um it, it makes me a little bit i know it makes me a little bit pissy because i'm like i i, I didn't i i far from got steamrolled like I, I smashed her one round she smashed me one round and then we had a round that was kind of you know um she did she did a little more than me to win uh so i don't know It was exciting, though, and it was a great time fighting for rumble time. I have absolutely nothing bad to say about my experience there, but we'll talk more about that later. when We're kind of going over some stuff like that, so we'll talk about that fight. If you have any questions about my fight over the weekend, I don't care to answer any questions. Um, Something I want to talk about a little bit is there's been a lot of posts about referees having to jump onto fighters who won't quit after the fight's been called. Uh, we saw there was a referee who jumped on a, a fighter's back and kind of put him in, like, the rear naked trope position back mount uh, to make him stop hitting a fighter after he called the fight a, a, a KO. Uh, we've seen Paul Harris, even in the UFC, was banned from the UFC because when he gets a hold of an ankle lock, even when the ref is calling it, he won't let go. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, this isn't just a problem on small levels. This happens all the way up to the high levels, uh, UFC. And now Paul Harris has uh, been, you know, banned from the UFC and is fighting for the World Series of Fighting. They've taken him. But this is a serious issue and has serious implications for, for MMA, I think. And it's something we're going to discuss about why it is such a big problem and what should happen to fighters who are guilty of committing such, uh, you know, an atrocity, I think, to the sport. Um, then we're going to talk a little bit about what happened at ICF uh, with the ref stopping the fight when neither fighter felt it was a good call. And uh, when should referees stop the fight? So that's going to be a lot of our our in-between interviews talk. Uh, if you guys in the chat room want to get started on what it is that we did. I know uh, a lot of times we talk to the fighters, but we usually kick off the episode with uh, what we're going to hit on some of the some of the uh, discussion that we like to get our listeners involved in. So, you know, you guys can give us some feedback, and, and I thought I might kind of get that kicked off a little bit and see what you all think about it so that we can talk about that too. And then um, uh, I think that's about it. But, uh, you know, Emily, we're going to go ahead and let you give our first guest a call. And yes, um, I'll talk a little bit about Jenny Lou. She actually was a contestant. Uh, well, she went to the tryouts for the Ultimate Fighter 20. Uh, she didn't cancel this interview, and when I posted uh, the episode, she, you know, typically people will share it or this, that, and the other, but I got to thinking about how I didn't get any feedback from Jeannie Lou when I posted the episode. Um, so, honestly, with the, the Ultimate Fighter 20 thing going on, I have a strong sneaking suspicion that she uh, will not come on tonight. Um, She may, but I don't believe, I I, I should have wrote her, but Mondays are a really busy day for me. Um, I was really busy eating cake and pizza and uh, hunting down stuff that I've not been able to have in months. (laughs) Um, now, Mondays really are busy. It's typically when I do a lot of training, and then, um, you know, after training, it rolls straight into coming home for the show, so I wasn't able to write her, but I did, I did tag and post the episode with her in it, so, um, you know, to make the, the people that are going to be guests on the show aware that they're going to be uh, taking part tonight, but uh, I didn't get any feedback from her, so she may not show up tonight. We may get to start some of our um, our pre-talk a little early. Anyways, Emily, are you back with us? Yes, we are both on Oh, we are both on See, I was wrong Miss Lou, I was saying that I didn't think that you were going to show up tonight I I thought maybe that we weren't going to get you on Oh, well, here I am (laughs) Excellent, excellent How are you doing tonight?
2: Oh, I'm doing all right. Yeah, just uh, finishing up the work
1: day Oh, what do you do if you don't mind me asking? Uh, I teach college at a little uh, tribal college in uh, northern Idaho. Actually, uh, I think from the last time that we spoke with you that you um, were actually a college professor. Uh, how you know? How do your students take to you coming in with um, from from competition from fights? Do they handle it well? <laughs> do, they, do they try to use it to their advantage? at all? No. Don't stress. Don't give us work. Uh, you know, focus on your fight. <laughs>
2: I mean, I think they really they they love that I do this. It's a little, you know, it's it's been funny like lately because um, I think my name is starting to get out there a little bit more. My students can find me on the internet. Mm-hmm. And so, like, after I came back from the Ultimate Fighter tryouts, one of my students was like, Jenny Lou, I printed your picture off the Internet, and I gave a copy to everyone, so we all have your posters hanging up at our houses now. And I was just sort of like, uh, okay, thanks. And then one of the girls was like, when you come in here, you look bad. But when you're in the pictures, you look like a model. And I was like, oh, guys. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, nice. Like, <laughs> So we've been having a whole different, strange set of interactions. (laughs) She just dropped herself a whole letter grade there, didn't she?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's (laughs) that's among the more tame things that happen at that school. You know, like uh, I always joke that uh, it takes more nerve to like step into a, you know, step into that classroom every day than it does to uh, step in the cage. (laughs) It's uh, Uh, it's a pretty rough reservation town.
1: What department do you teach in if you don't mind me asking what's your what what kind of classes or programs do you offer? Um I teach in the
2: English department. So my okay. PhD is in British literature, but mm-hmm. I actually have a biology degree too. So I teach a lot of um like environmental literature and a couple environmental
1: studies classes as well as more conventional English classes. So oh, it's wow. a lot of fun. <laughs> Uh, see, I fail, fail. I can't do literature. Emily Emily would probably talk to you all day about that kind of stuff. Uh, I went for fitness and wellness health sciences because I'm like, no, we got to work the body out and the literature stuff's too much for me. <laughs> uh, you know, you mentioned that the, you know, the students uh, noticed that you look you know, kind of model-esque in some of your photos, uh, you know, and that's something that I noticed, too. We were Facebook friends before uh, our last interview, and you had your fight with one of the library twins, and I noticed afterwards that you did put a little more uh, effort, I think, into – posting more pictures of yourself with a, a fighter look to it or someone who's involved in, like, a physical sport. Uh, was that a conscious decision or was it something that, you know, it, it just kind of happened the way that you got comfortable with, with letting that side of yourself be, be seen? Um, You know, I think it's, it was a really conscious
2: decision because, like, I mean, I yeah. – I've always done sports where, you know, people want to, I guess. They, you're just sort of like, oh, there she is, just running around, like, you know, like in a sports bra. Like, I ran track in college, so I was just sort of, like, I had no sort of, like, oh, I don't feel confident doing that. It's more that it's just not like on my list of like you know like oh I'd love to do that I'd love to model or I wish I looked really pretty in this picture you know it's like doesn't even cross my mind like I'm gonna fight because I'm a huge tomboy you know like that <laughs> or I'll be like out in the woods you know <laughs> so I was kind of surprised because I was like I like that country and fighting and guns like I don't do this because I'm girly you know and then um, and then it kind of became clear to me actually like after my pro debut. Um, because I fought uh, Rachel Osovich and I, I TKO'd her in the second round, and she was undefeated at the time, and she's a really great fighter, um, but I kind of thought, and so she signed with Invicta, and I kind of thought, you know, when I beat her so convincingly, that would mean that, you know, all of a sudden, all of that success would be coming my way, uh-huh. and, it, and that didn't happen. And so then, you know, numerous people kind of explained to me that, she had taken a lot of sort of time and put together like the sort of image of a fighter you know whereas for me mm-hmm. like when I was getting ready to hunt those fights like you know all the sort of like fight places on the like websites on the internet and stuff had just pulled random pictures of me and so it was like pictures of me like on kayaking trips so, like so that you know and I was like oh <laughs> goodness
1: like <laughs> like I uh, actually I've gotta tough. switch that up <laughs> I, that's kind of funny because the, the stock picture that I had of you that I actually used again this time, I thought, you know, I should probably go get a new one. But the picture I had of you is actually, I think, just one of your Facebook photos of you walking in the woods. That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, you know, and I really
2: wish that that was an, like an image that I could sort of cultivate because, I mean, that's I mean that's really who I am and that's how I fight too. You know, people are like, how did you get ready for your fight? And I've just been like, I've been hiking a lot. <laughs> Uh-huh. And they're like, um, what? Like, that doesn't seem like good preparation. But I'm like, no, it really is. It's, like, really rocky and stuff, and it's, like, I don't know. It's, like, great cardio, you know. And then I go to the gym and actually fight, and they fit nicely together. But, um, yeah, I mean, sort of, like, my dream Once this all kind of – I'm kind of busy and disorganized about things, but, like, I would love to be able to have, like, like all green sponsors, you know, like solar companies, um, or there's some, like, really great wind technology places around here, and just to sort of be able to be, like, much more myself, like, in, the, you know, in the cage and in all the promotion. But I guess right now it's going on a sort of a shortcut to, like, I need 5,000 Facebook friends and uh, <laughs> a little bit of publicity to start to make things happen, you know, which maybe sounds like a really mercenary way to <laughs> go about things. But I just, I'm like, okay, that's what it takes. Like, I love getting in the cage, so. Mm-hmm. Willing to sort of like you know try to like manage the rest of my image in a way that makes that
1: you know something that can happen. So. Uh, do you work with a manager to kind of to, to kind of help you out with that, or is it something you're just kind of tackling on your own?
2: Yeah, I do. Um, my manager is Chris Vender, and he's oh, been okay. fantastic. He's been a really big help to me. <laughs> like when I was at the US the Ultimate Fighter tryouts. Um, you know, I didn't even think about what to pack because I I don't know mm-hmm. why. I just didn't know what it would be like. And so then they're like, okay, mm-hmm. like, you photo shoot. Like, you got to have all of your outfits and they have to, like, you know – uh just sort of express like your personal style and everything and I was just of like, um <laughs> you know. So I'm just like at you know, at Buffalo Exchange, like trying on clothes and like sending Chris, you know, just like <laughs> you know uh just like Instagram pictures of like shoes and, and I'm fucking like, sorry but like you gotta tell me what
1: I'm doing here. Like which one of the you know
0: like oh, where no, like I,
1: <laughs> Yeah he's you know here, you... and tolerates it. I tell you where you messed up is you were asking a man. i tell you what. Next time you have that problem, you just send me pictures on Facebook because I, I'm great at, you know, I feel like I'm tough and, and I love fighting and all that stuff, but I also like pretty stuff. So anytime you need help, I'm more than happy to help beat <laughs> you. <laughs> well, thank you. Awesome. I'll seriously take you up on that. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm, I'm game. Uh, you know, you mentioned that you did do, do t- the Tough 20 tryouts, um, you know, you were 1-0 as a pro, and, and they kind of want you to have some more experience. Was it worth it to, to make it out there to kind of get your name in their heads, uh, you know, for that travel and that trip? Um, or do you feel like, you know, you just kind of, it was more for the experience? Um, I definitely went out
2: there because I thought I had a chance. Um mm-hmm. I'm, I'm actually two and zero. I beat Rachel Ostevich and then I beat Julian Leibiger. um a, 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 About a month after that, and I kind of knew, and I and I felt that my performance at the at the trials reflected this. Like I think that I had um, I, I had the best grappling game of anyone in that mm-hmm. strawweight division, um, and I'm not a good striker. So I kind of knew that that would be the balance. It'd be my grappling. I thought would be outstanding, and my striking mm-hmm. um, would kind of be a work in progress. Um, but so I went down there thinking that there was a chance that that would work out. If not, then there were Victor scouts there and a lot of other people. And so it was mm-hmm. a really fantastic experience. And my um, manager helped get me some sponsors and stuff, which made the trip a little bit more feasible. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it was just it was just a fantastic thing to do. I had a lot of fun. And I think, you know, only good things are going to come from it, whatever they end up being.
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, for, if, even though there aren't a lot of women who, who are in the UFC, but you still get your name kind of out there and to them, and, and you're recognized now. And I, I think that's one of the key points of even if you aren't selected, that doesn't mean that they won't use you later. Do you feel like that was one of the benefits? Yeah, and I think,
2: you know, it kind of helped. Right? It was it was fun for me that someone apparently, like, had a camera in there for the grappling tryout, so there are all these little gifts uh-huh. of me on the Internet, like, getting that arm bar and stuff. So certainly there's a lot of people who, like, uh, I – they didn't know who I was at all. You know, like, the, the couple of weeks after after that trip, I mean, I've, like, I don't know, just, like, all sorts of – I have all sorts of fans now. <laughs> it's fun mm-hmm. and weird. It's, like, a whole new, totally different thing. But I can, I can really tell that that whole experience um, kind of did a lot for sort of building a fan base and helping to advance my career. And it's been really fun. Like, I've kind of been having to learn uh, – which sounds funny, but like I'm 30 and I'm like, like, being like oh, this is how you interact with people, you know? Um, but like, that's, is, <laughs> I mean, it sounds silly, but it's a big thing for me, I guess, you know, because like, I don't know, like I grew up in a small town and then went to a college where I kind of had my group of friends and like wasn't really interacting with like a million strangers all the time. And then all of a sudden we have a thousand new Facebook friends and people sending all these emails and doing all this stuff and like wanting to talk So it's been, like, you know, just sort of an opportunity for a lot of personal growth in addition to, you know, having some big professional opportunities. So I've been having a blast with it. It's really different from, like, walking
1: into a college classroom and having, like, the same class every single day, you know. You know, and it sounds like it's not something that is being overwhelming to you, uh, that you're still able to kind of manage. Because I know that sometimes when, you know, people get a little bit of attention, it's a little overwhelming They they maybe mismanage their time and, and they get a little too into it. But it seems like you're really kind of managing it right and enjoying it. What has been the thing that you've enjoyed most, Is it just kind of like the opening to all the new experience? Um,
2: this may be a really boring answer, but I just love the sport. Like, I mean, I've just always been an athlete, and I love everything about fighting. Like, I'm like, just sitting here in the living room, like, looking at, like, a stack of jujitsu instructional videos <laughs> right now, mm-hmm. you know? Um, And it was always, like, I loved it, but it was, like, you had to pay to go to all these tournaments on the weekends and stuff, and then your whole weekend, you know, and then had been, like, some, like, high school gymnasium, and I was just like, oh, man, like, there's got to be a better outlet for all of this. And so MMA was really thrilling for me. Like, I mean, honestly, I probably, in terms of sport alone, I prefer uh, straight-up Gi Um, Mm Jiu-Jitsu. But being able to get in the cage and really be able to put those skills on display and have people, like, really care. You know what I mean? Like, I won my division um, at uh, IBJJF Worlds in Jiu-Jitsu, like, when I was just starting out, and no one cared. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But then you get in the cage, and you win a fight, and, like, people watch, and you have fans, and then, like, you know, and it's really been cool as the doors have started to open, like, uh, my pro debut was really fun for me because it was in Hawaii, and I was just sort of like, no way, you know? Like they just flew mm-hmm. me to Hawaii, like put me up on Waikiki. And I was just like, you know, going around the island like on a little scooter and stuff. And I was just, like, I never would have had this experience, like if it weren't
4: for mm-hmm.
2: um, doing MMA, you know? And the funny thing is, like that's what it was for me at first. It was a way to get to play jujitsu and get paid for it. And now I've actually slowly fallen in love with the rest of the sport. Like my two fights have been like striking victories and i finally really started to like love the whole game you know so now mm-hmm. all of a sudden a bunch of new doors are open where like so it's monday so i'm about to head out to muay thai in a few minutes here and i mean I've been fighting for like five or so years doing jujitsu on and off for almost 13 years you know and i'm used to it being like muay thai night and i was like Ugh. like i guess i have to go you know, and for the past few months, for the first time ever, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait, you know. So it's really been fun. I'm starting to see more of the pieces come together.
1: Awesome. Now, I, I've got to ask you this. Uh, you fought uh, Jillian at King of the Cage. That was your last victory. Now you're fighting her twin sister, Jocelyn. Uh, number one, how awkward was it to maybe see them at the tough 20 tryouts? But then, uh, you know, to me, it's just, it's kind of – I don't know. Is there like a mental psyche in that you know you're fighting somebody different, but they look exactly the same, so you've got to remember that they're gonna tra- you got to train differently for them. What's that like? <laughs>
2: well, they look enough alike, but like I can't tell them apart very well, which was funny in mm-hmm. Vegas because I, I, I whatever I guess it probably would have been it was okay talking to both of them, but also slightly weird talking to both of them. But I was like, I don't know. I'm talking to the one I just fought, or the one I'm about to fight.
0: <laughs> I, just, like, I just smile.
2: <laughs> like, and just be really nice. <laughs> and just, because uh. <laughs> I'm, like, the master of putting my foot in my mouth and just saying something that just comes out wrong, even, like, when I'm trying to be super nice. So, so like, tiptoe, tiptoe. You know? Um, <laughs> but in terms of, like, how I, like, you know, and I, I I don't really understand. I guess when people go into these whole big fight camps and they train really specifically for some opponent, and I'm probably just gonna someday gonna get wall like for something I should have trained against, and then I'll just be like, oh, that's why people do this, you know? Um, but for me, mm-hmm. like being a martial artist has always meant just sort of being prepared, like for whatever comes your way. And I tend to think, like, man, like, I mean, I've been an athlete all my life, and I've been involved with martial arts like since I was a kid. And so when it comes like time for a training camp, I'm like really what am I going to learn in the next month that I haven't really learned in, you know, a lifetime of this? Um, Which isn't to say I'm not always trying to constantly, like, sort of improve my game, um, but it's like I'm the kind of athlete, I mean, uh, where everything comes from muscle memory and everything comes from habit. And I kind of Mm like, I mean, people, you know, like, some people have a really intellectual game in the cage. I like to feel like my body's ready to go and I can kind of mm-hmm. turn off that really sort of, like, conscious judgment and just know that, like, you know, my muscles know what to do. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I haven't really been thinking, like, what's this got going or how's it going to be different? I'm just sort of like, well, like, I'm going to get in the cage and I'm going to fight someone and, uh, like, hopefully it'll be good, although there is a part of me that's like, I hope strength is genetic because I was stronger than a sister. <laughs> but, but you never know. And they probably won't like me saying that. But, but uh, yeah, there is a part. Um, I think in, in a lot of ways, um, Jocelyn is a tougher opponent for me. She's uh, a better wrestler. And, uh, you know, being mostly a ground fighter myself, like it's a little strange going against wrestlers because they can use that to keep the fight standing if they want. So, um I don't know. so I, You know what I mean? Like, that's what mm-hmm. happened to me with Ra- against Rachel, actually. So that's Rachel, Rachel Ostevich. So that's kind of what's on my mind there. So, you know, I was like, oh, this is going to be a ground battle because it's a really accomplished wrestler against a jiu-jitsu player. And I don't think either of us trained that much striking because we both, or at least I didn't because I just thought it was going to be on the ground. And then the way the fight actually played out um, – we couldn't take each other down. so We just, like, (laughs) hit each other in the face for two rounds, (laughs) you know, and so that was a huge surprise to me. Um, And I wouldn't even have adjusted to it that well if um, the coach who came with me hadn't just sort of been like, hey, you know, you're not getting a takedown, so it's probably time to start throwing some knees, you know, and so then (laughs) once that switch flipped, I was like, okay, like, new game, you know. Um, Absolutely. So I guess, if anything, that's it, like, I have no idea what is going to happen in most fights. Like <laughs> as a general rule, I'm extremely bad at predicting the future. You know? So I see other people mm-hmm. who seem to know exactly what's gonna happen. And I'm just like, No, now this is happening but that's okay. So I mean that's <laughs> part of why fighting's so fun. I mean I ran I ran track all track also college, which actually in answer to one of the earlier questions is maybe part of why it feels so easy to maintain a balance now, you because know, I was a really uh, competitive runner, and sure, there's not the sort of publicity or that sort of thing, but there was a lot more money on the, ta- on the line and a lot of pressure there, you know?
0: So mm-hmm.
2: it really helps to keep fighting it's just fun, you know, because I'm not like, oh, my gosh, if I lose, they're going to yank my scholarship and, like, everything I care about is going to, like, crumble, you know? It's just sort of mm-hmm. like, oh, well, <laughs> you know, if I lose, I get a few hundred dollars less, so then we're going to do this again, you know? So it's, it's nice to do <laughs> I just feel like I get to do it, like, for the love of the sport, even though I'm doing it professionally now. So that's that's really been quite the gift.
1: Absolutely. Emily, uh, we, we've we kept our guests on for, for a little while asking our questions. Um, do we have any questions from the chat room that that our listeners want to know? We do have one question from Wombat Sports, um, Mark
3: Picos. And you know we definitely talked about how you performed at the tough twenty, and you know he brought up that you really kind of impressed um Dana White, and that certainly says a lot and he kind of wants to know um you know what did you do, i guess, with the money that Dana gave you from the tryout, and how did that go?,
2: yeah. oh man, so I <laughs> trained at a at a little i trained at a little gym in Moscow, and so we've actually been um without a home lately because we were training in our junior high school's uh, wrestling room, and they closed that to renovate it. So, uh, you know, we've just sort of been, like, traveling. So I, and I also trained at another gym, too, for more striking stuff. But as far as my jujitsu goes, like, we've been kind of traveling and going to open mats, and we've kind of been homeless for a little while here. And so uh, we're just now getting a gym started up. It's just been open this month. And so I walked right back and I gave that money to my coaches and I was just said like, yeah, you know, like <laughs> this is a windfall. Like I had no idea this was coming my way. And so like just put it into, uh, you know, trying to get the gym off the ground. So, I mean, it's just a drop in the bucket. But, yeah, I just said, like, you guys have been helping me out with my jujitsu and my jujitsu jitsu uh, you know, got me this money. So just gave it right back. That is awesome. That's
1: really, really generous. Um
0: and
1: then I know, I think I would have went and bought myself like a new pair of shoes or something. I, I'm more self-centered
2: than uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> I did that. To be perfectly honest, I did do that with the per diem, basically, because I got a few hundred dollars from the submissions, and they gave us a few hundred dollars of other cash. So it wasn't as if there was no shopping in Las Vegas, but I specifically <laughs> was like, these are the $200 in the submissions, and those are that's the money I'm going to give back to my school so
3: nice. that was nice that is awesome i think i would have bought one cupcake and that would have been my personal limit with that but um <laughs> of going back to your fight with um jocelyn give us a prediction we know you said it's kind of going to be hard to determine if it goes on the ground or if it goes standing but if you could kind of call
0: out
2: that fight what's how are you going to win it what's it going to be by striking. I don't think it's going to go to the ground. I think my hands have improved a lot, and uh, part of why I've been able to be dominant on the stand-up lately is because people don't respect my hands, and, uh, you know, I've got the striking skills now. I think she's going to try to keep it standing up, and I'm going to try to knock her out. Although, of course, I'll be even happier (laughs) if we get to go to the ground, but I don't really
1: see that happening. I think next weekend, not just just uh, a couple more days, uh, you'll be fighting, I think, for King of the Cage. Um, are you uh, – you know, how is the, the week counting down as it gets a little closer? Um, I don't know. I mean, my basic sort of
2: philosophy with this, I mean, you're saying some people have trouble, like, budgeting their time with it and stuff, you know? Like, I basically – I can't even deal with thinking ahead about this stuff right now. I mean, I just like my job is really tasking and stuff, but it's not even just that. It's more like, I've just kind of found it always helps to compartmentalize this stuff, you know? Um,
0: mm-hmm.
2: so like, I seriously don't even give it a second thought until I get on the plane. And then I'm sure like, okay, now my life, now it's this other part of my life, you know? um uh, mm-hmm. so you know what I mean? Like right now, um, it's not even on my mind i'm I'm grading um a midterm exam today, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and uh i don't even know what day my flight is like i you know i guess later in the week I'll go like figure out what is going on <laughs> 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 so, well, maybe that's the, too much of a partition, but it it seems to work out there's just like you know the scholar's life and then. And then the fighter's life.
1: Absolutely. Well, we're not going to keep you any longer. As you count down the days uh, towards, you you know, getting that flight and and heading out to fight, uh, is there anyone that you'd like to thank or any sponsors that you'd like to give a shout-out to? Oh, yeah, absolutely.
2: Um, I've been working with uh, Select Fightwear, and they've been fantastic. And uh, half Breed Clothing and Mm -hmm. Fight an Uncle, um, which is – that's a cause that's particularly close to my heart because uh, Patrick Kane, um, this guy is down in Southern California. He he trains at a gym I used to train with there, and um, his nephew was a professional fighter who committed suicide a few years back, and so he started this whole sort of suicide awareness campaign within the MMA community and so mm-hmm. I just felt, you know, particularly honored to be, like, you know, spreading their message and, and, and working with them. So, oh, um, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Well, thank you so much for being uh, such a wonderful guest for us tonight. Uh, we are going to go ahead and let you go uh, since we went over a little bit to our next guest. Um, <laughs> but we want right. to wish you Thanks good you luck. Thanks a lot for having me. Uh, thank you so much for being Bye. a guest, and uh, good luck in your flight. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> a good evening. Bye-bye. And for those of you listening, that was Jenny Lu. She's supposed to take on Jocelyn Leibarger for King of the Cage on May 26th of 2014, at least that's the date I have. Um, great guest. She was very talkative tonight, wasn't she, Emily? She was, and that's really pleasant. Sometimes you get guests and they're kind of like, um, oh, yes, yeah, my day was good. So it's nice to have a talkative one that enjoys the interview. Uh, and, Emily, we'll go ahead and let you get our next guest on the line, Caitlin, Caitlin Dykus is going to be our next guest. We'll ask her as soon as she gets on the episode how to pronounce it. But, um, you know, I think the last time she was on with us, Jenny Lou, anyway, she wasn't really as, as, as chatty. So I think, Mark, maybe your tips have helped her. <laughs> but, Emily, go ahead and give uh, get our next guest on the line since we've already ran over. Um Anyways, uh, if you're out there tuning in to Pro W MMA now, uh, if you're in the chat room, we appreciate you listening. Uh, We have a couple of guests signed in, Eric Holden, Jason Adams, and Wombat Sports. If you're a guest in the chat room, let us know who you are so we can give you a shout out online. You can take part in our chat room discussions. Let us know what you think. Uh, Let us know how we're doing and and all that jazz. Um, Or if you have questions for, for the guests. Uh, but anyways, we're going to have Caitlin Dykus on the next. And then in the meantime, also check out Bangtown Fightwear at www.bangtownfightwear.com. Also, be sure to check out the Mile High Grizzlies. Uh, give them a like. Give them a follow. And uh, uh, let them know that they've uh, invested in a, in a wonderful show. But um, anyways, some, some really good fights coming up. Uh, I think Sarah Moraes was on uh, Jason Adams' show promoting Real Women last night. It was an excellent interview, so be sure to check that out. Uh, she's going to be fighting in the UFC against Alexis DeFranci, who seems a little bit like a crazy person to me when I read some of her interviews. Um, oh, she's not answering. Damn it, Caitlin. I wonder why. I just posted um, that she's going to be on the show. Try again, Emily. Emily, writing me again. She's not answering. I know. Um, anyways, uh, a lot of fights have been announced for the UFC, which makes me very excited. One of them that I said couldn't come soon enough, uh, Shana Baszler versus Betch Correa. I'm really excited about that fight. Uh, really excited to for it to go down in August. What's up, Emily? She was not
3: answering, so I'll give her a call back in a few minutes. Do friends me? Do friends me? Do friends me? Well, I said do friends me. Alexis?
1: Alexis?
3: Alexis Yeah. Yeah. Have you read any of her interviews? I have not. Well, wait. Yes, I have. I read one of them that was posted up in the female and a office in this. Mm -hmm. And they kind of, they're painting out to be a badass. So it'll be interesting
1: to see how Sarah Morris does with her. She does. She, I mean, and not in a bad way, like, not like she's a bitch, but she does seem a little bitchy, like she'll rip your face off, doesn't she, in her interviews? I mean, mm-hmm. she scared she, me through the off the paper. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you on that one. Like, whoa, 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 don't rip my arm off. <laughs> but, uh, with, with all this hype kind of behind her and, you know, the excitement that's building up, uh, I, you know, I, I have a lot of faith in Sarah Moraes, um, she she's very unassuming in, in that you w- wouldn't really think her to be, you know, nearly as uh, technical as she is, maybe. I, I don't know if it's – and she's got some crazy eyes. Um, she's got uh, just, like, this look to her, like, when you watch her interviews and she's just kind of like, I, I want to rip somebody's arm off. And it gives you this feeling that she just really wants to murder somebody. I don't know. But she seems so nice. She have her on the show I'm hungry for it. Yeah, like, very much so. Uh, you know, she was on the Ultimate Fighter, and she did really well. Uh, she was able to submit uh, Peggy Morgan within just a couple of minutes of the first round. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to count her out. Although, the uh, the Alexis Dufresne is, I thought she was from somewhere else. I thought she was foreign. I, it took me a minute after reading a couple of her, her interviews to realize that she was, from I think Seattle. So huh. yeah, uh, Caitlin said, that, she, Caitlin said uh, that her coach I guess is listening and told her that we're trying to call, but she's not getting anything on her end. Let me ask her to send another number and I'll write it. Uh, I'll send it to you, Emily. Okay. You can talk so there's not white noise. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
3: Sorry.
1: <laughs> anyway. Anyways, I, that one. I thought she was born as well. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. It was like, oh, she's from, uh, doesn't she train out a Team quest with um, Michelle Old who's, you know, kind of scary in her own right? Um, so I don't know. I, something about, okay, let me see. Let me try this. I'm going to send Emily to uh, Emily. Okay. Let's see if this one works. And you can tell me if it's the, the right number. Okay. Yeah, that's... Uh, no, here's what it else. is. One I, digit off.
5: It's yeah, okay. I, I
1: sent uh, an eight instead of a three. I wonder how that happened because I copied and pasted it. Although my phone glass is shattered again, so maybe I, I misread it. Anyways, we'll try again. <laughs> so somebody's like, who the fuck is calling me? <laughs> what? Right, let's give her a call. We've wasted 15 minutes of her time, so we'll give her a call back and, and, and see how she... Uh, see how she's doing. Sorry about that. Um, Michelle is awesome. Someone said Michelle Old is awesome. Uh, you know, she seems very awesome to me. Like, I follow her on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, she, you know what I like about Michelle Old is she says uh, a lot of things. She verbalizes a lot of the feelings and things that, you know, I, I, I agree with 100%. Um, she seems a little outspoken uh, and very to the point. Um, but I I really like her style, uh, at least what I can see uh, that comes through on social media. So I don't know. That's that's kind of my take on it. So they're just, maybe they grow a meaner there. I don't know. Yeah, I think we have our guests on the line with us, Caitlin. Uh, if you're with us, yeah, how are you? Doing right? I'm good. How are how you? How are you? We're fantastic. Uh, we messed up the number. Uh, at the end of your number, I had typed an eight instead of a three. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> So, oh, yeah, it's all my fault. All right. <laughs> all right, so I'm looking at your fight, uh, looking you up, looking at your fight record, looking at, you know, everything that's kind of going on with you that I can find doing my snooping. And I got to say, you fight a lot of girls named Nikki or Nicole.
6: <laughs> Actually, that's pretty true. I think there's about four or five of them. I'm not going to lie.
1: <laughs> is that just the way it kind of happens or do you have it in for girls with the name Nikki.
6: no that totally happens because uh the last i think maybe two or three fights the girls have backed out and their names haven't been nikki so maybe i just need to start fighting people who are nikki and then they won't back out i think that's my life there you go
1: we will call you (laughs) we'll call you caitlin the nikki killer
6: (laughs) (laughs) that could be my new name
1: Yeah, you you, you said you have a couple of fights, four or five fights, and I looked up your record, and it only shows four. What is your record exactly? Uh, Are you amateur or pro? Because I'm under the understanding that you're amateur still.
6: Yep, I'm just an amateur. Right now, it's three and three, but I think, um, like, through the national database, it only says that it's one and three, so it's pretty off.
1: Yeah, it it is. It was one and three, and I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, No, (laughs) three and three is good. Uh, 3 during 3 is an amateur. Where have most of your fights taken place?
6: Um, They were mostly in Michigan, but I'm hoping to turn pro this coming fall. So we're trying to get stuff that's more out of state, that's sanctioned, so that mm-hmm. I'd be able to go to more out-of-state fights. Plus, Michigan is pretty unregulated, so a lot of times when they see that I'm from Michigan, they automatically deny me <laughs> any fights in a different state. So we're trying to get past that point right now.
1: I told you that I told you Emily cuz we were just talking about this and the, and it's kind of a something I wanted to ask you about is I've heard that before is that you know Michigan has some funky stuff going on and that if you're a fighter out of there some of the other states they kind of they kind of shun you a, a little bit Yeah they
6: really do they frown upon it and it, it's hard it stinks cuz um this coming up weekend my fight's in Pennsylvania and that's the first time I'll be fighting there and um their rules are just so much different then Michigan, Michigan's so unregulated. we didn't really have any rules, you know it's like total u s d basically pro rules for amateur, and then this weekend there's uh no punches to the face and you take them to the ground, no kicks to the head. The rounds are only two minutes, and I'm wearing shin guards, so it's basically like sparring at the gym, <laughs> yeah, wow, sounds
4: like.
6: <laughs>
1: I know. Isn't that weird? How is it to go from being able to, because I don't like it. I, I've even got to the point now where if it's a state that has rules different from how I train, if I can help it, I'll 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 deny it. Uh, you know, there are states where you can't do anything uh, except for punch to the head. Um, how do you handle your training knowing that it's going to be so different? Does it throw you off at all? Um, I just try to switch
6: up what I train for, you know. I mean, right now I'm training for three-minute rounds, or I was before this, because that's what I'm accustomed to, and then once I found out that I have um, the two-minute rounds and all these different, uh, you know, techniques that I'm not allowed to use, I've been trying to practice that, because I started kickboxing before I ever did MMA, so kicking to the head is like a common thing for me, so that's probably (laughs) going to be one of the hardest things for me to not do, so I've been really trying to practice that and keep things low and just train like that. Once uh. At least for me, it seems like once I can get it into my muscle memory and mm-hmm. just reiterate it over and over and over again, then it seems to stick. So mm-hmm. that's what uh, we've been practicing so far.
1: How does that... And I have my own uh speculation about the answer to this question, um, but we'll see how how they differ or if we agree. How does uh how do you change up training for two minute rounds versus three minute rounds? Uh in your experience, what do you think is gonna be the biggest difference and in, in, in how you approach that kind of fight?
6: Um, I think the biggest difference, at least for me, it's going to be pace-wise, you know. I mean, it doesn't seem like, you know, people say one minute and they're like, oh, that's not bad, you know, but they're thinking about sitting in the car or listening to the radio or something, but when you're punching someone for a minute straight, that's a that's a big difference to go from. So um, I've just been training for the two-minute rounds and trying to push the pace, you know, because I ha- I don't have to push the pace as much in a three-minute round. So that's mm-hmm. really what I've been training for. So I think that's going to be the biggest difference for me is to um, find a good balance of where my pace should be, not overpace it, but not
1: underpace it either. Oh, absolutely, and that's kind of what I was getting at. There's no time to, to stop. It's go, 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 uh, because it's going to mm-hmm. pl- fly by so fast. And as someone who prefers jujitsu as their game, as I do, uh, the idea of a two-minute round is insufferable. I'm like, oh no.
6: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you don't really get as much time to work. Basically, you know, if you get what you're gonna do, it needs to be done fast and it needs to be done quick. So.
1: Yeah, no slow starters. Note to self: never <laughs> fight. Never fight in Pennsylvania, Gina. Gina. <laughs> <laughs>
6: yeah, that may be a rude awakening for you if you did that one.
1: <laughs> uh, you know, we talked about this a little bit in Michigan, uh, how different it is, and that's what I'm really curious about: is why, is, what is so different um, that that other commissions are, you know, that harsh towards fighters coming from there? And, and do you really think it's fair that they that they punish the fighters uh, if it's something that they have an issue with the commissions in you know, in Michigan?
6: Um, I mean, honestly, for me, it stinks. You know, because I value what I do, and I, I you know, I really pride myself in training hard and really showing up to these fights really prepared and ready to do, you know, what I've been training for my fight camp for six weeks to do, you know, and then it kind of stinks, like, I actually applied to get my license through Pennsylvania just to have an amateur fight, and they denied me right away, just because they uh-huh. saw that I was from Michigan and hadn't had any sanctioned fights, so it, it it it's kind of depressing to be like, you know what, I fought, like, six times MMA, and then I fought probably six more times kickboxing, which are mm-hmm. sanctioned fights, but they don't count those. So it's it's disheartening, you know, to see that, and it kind of stinks, but I think it just kind of pushes me to, you know, show other states, like, yeah, we are unregulated in Michigan, but there there are some fighters here who really deserve it and who are really trying to bring the sport out of Michigan. It's just we don't have anyone who has set certain rules and regulated, like, a commission. So we don't mm-hmm. have... it like. I'll go to fights in Michigan, and one of them will be, you know, you can throw elbows, and that's totally fine. And then the next one I'll go to, you can't throw elbows. So it's like you really just don't know, and for the most part, you can't throw elbows until you turn a professional in another state. So it's a big difference. Uh,
1: is it, does it just depend on the promoter, on on what it is that you can do, or is it dependent on what the fighters agree to? How do they up and decide, you know, what's allowed? I'm pretty sure it's up to the promoter. I know this sounds crazy, but I'm pretty sure if, um,
6: like some of the fights I've been to, people are wearing wrestling shoes. You know, it looks like the first UFC fight ever taken place. You know, someone could walk in technically with wrestling shoes and a gi on, and there's no rules, and oh, wow. there's a fight like that. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure the rules are set by the promoter. You know, come up with mm-hmm. that, and then the promoter's talking to the referee, telling them, you know, what they allow. And of course, they have the fighter meetings and. They're telling us what we can and cannot do. So, I mean, as fighters, we know what we're allowed to do before we go to the promotion. It's just weird that it's not sanctioned by the state. Not These rules aren't set by the state. It's the uh, promoter who sets that so they can say any kind of rule that they wanted in Michigan, and it would be okay.
1: Have you considered... Um... You know, because it is a problem. You're not the first fighter I've heard of having this issue. And it's kind of sad, I think, for the fighters. Have you considered maybe trying to be a, a bit of an ambassador for for the fighters in Michigan that are trying to get out there and, and really pursue a career? Uh, or do you feel like this is just a, an issue that's going to have to eventually resolve itself while, in the meantime, you pursue what you want to do?
6: Um, no, I mean, I think going out there and just, you know, showing up to my fight, showing up on weight, like, that's one of the biggest that that's one of the biggest pet peeves that I have, at least for me, is all mm-hmm. you know. I work my butt off, and I make my mm-hmm. weight, and I and I commit to it, and that's that's me. And then, uh, like my previous fight, I was supposed to have in Indiana, it was sanctioned. They have a commission, everything like that. The girl I was supposed to fight showed up eight pounds overweight. Oh like, my god! You know, you know, the day before, you know, a few days before, you're not making weight if you're that much overweight, and she still showed up. You know, and it's just oh, like, absolutely make a phone call so it's just I think you know I want to go out there and yeah my main goal is to fight my fight fight the best (laughs) I can fight but I just want to show other people that you know it's not like MMA isn't this awful brutal sport I remember telling my parents the first time I was going to do it they were like absolutely not you're gonna you know (laughs) you're gonna ruin your college career you're not gonna pass your classes and I'm just like you know you miss it it's so disciplined and there's so much respect you know And it it Mm -hmm. sucks when there's people who, I know this sounds bad, but I've been to so many fights that they pick people out of the crowd to come fight because someone dropped out. And I I, I mean, by all means, if you want to do that, that's fine, but that's not how I roll. You know, I'm training my (laughs) fight camp. I'm doing what I need to do and I know who I'm going to fight. So I just, I think that's how it should be, honestly. So I just think that's really what people should look forward to and, I think other states, you know, if they can see that from people from Michigan or other states that are like us, maybe they would get higher hopes for people who are coming out of this state.
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, a little bit about your training. You said that you've been kickboxing for a while, and, that you know, you, you seem very sincere and serious about your training. Uh, I noticed when we were getting into contact with each other that you, uh, that there was some contact with the training compound. Is that your gym? Uh, and tell us a little bit about that.
6: Yeah, um, I actually went to school in Detroit my freshman year of college, and I found um, a kickboxing gym and started kickboxing there because I was bored out of my mind, didn't have anything to do. And then um, I was just doing it to stay in shape. And then I just remember waking up one morning and being like, well, I'm putting in a lot of work, so I better do something with this. So then I started competing Mm -hmm. in it, and um, I transferred colleges. I go to Eastern Michigan, and I just randomly looked up MMA gym around here, and I found the training compound. And ever since then, I feel like my training has literally skyrocketed. I mean, the gym is great. The environment is awesome. Um, I really feel like my training has went up a level just being there. Awesome, awesome. And, and what styles do you train in? Um, personally, like for me, since I came from a background of kickboxing, I obviously love stand-up, so uh, we do a lot of Muay Thai and kickboxing there but um mm-hmm. they also do a lot of judo and I kind of fell in love with that too being there. Awesome,
1: awesome. Uh now you're going to be fighting on uh in just a couple of days actually May 24th for Pinnacle against Jamie Chesney. Uh what do you know about her as a fighter and and how are you feeling about this fight? Um I know I don't
6: know too much about her. I know that she's had um a bunch of Muay Thai fights actually. Um, and she's won all of them. So I know she's a decent stand-up fighter, and from the fights I've watched her MMA fights, um, her stand-up seems pretty decent. I never go in thinking, like, you know, I know, I don't ever want to underestimate someone. Anyone can beat anyone on given, any given day, so I think that's my motto, and I always believe in that. But um, what I noticed from her fights is that um, her takedown defense doesn't seem very strong, especially when she's against a cage. So that was something we took into consideration and tried to work on. But um, honestly, I think it's going to be a a stand-up brawl with both of us because that seems to be our uh, specialty. We both like to stand up. So I think it's going to be a really exciting fight for everyone to watch.
1: Awesome. And, uh, you know, how are you prepared for a a stand-up fight? Is is that what you prefer? Uh, Or or do you you plan to kind of get it to the ground if it's possible?
6: I mean, I'm always always in the back of my mind ready to fight a stand-up fight. That's just me. That's how I've always been just because of my uh, background in kickboxing. But um, since I did start training at the training compound, we've really started to, you know, get my ground game working better, um, transitioning from standing up to going to the ground because that was something I was really lacking. I was so comfortable standing up that (laughs) my mind would go blank and I'd forget that someone could take me down. So mm-hmm. we've really been trying to work on that mostly. Um, and just for these fights, you know, it's hard. It things it to just from where the area I am. There's not a ton of people. It's a pretty small town. So the, mm-hmm. everyone that I work out with is males. So I don't really get the female version of fighting. And females fight a lot different than males do and no everyone is like oh whatever you know you're getting hit by a guy that's way harder than a girl which yeah it's probably true but girls just fight differently so sometimes Mm -hmm. it's nice to get in and um, fight with some other girls just to see how their technique differs from males so I've been trying to do that too.
1: Uh, You know, we talk about this a lot, and it's something that you can maybe respond with the next time someone tells you that. The reason it's different training with females as opposed to males is because when they do things, they do it with intent. (laughs) I agree with that. (laughs) intent and and competitiveness and i just don't think that guys approach it nearly as competitively or they smash you and then you can't work and so that's the that's the biggest difference And you know you talk about that feeling that you get when training with girls is different than guys is it's competitiveness and intent to try to fuck you up a little bit if they can <laughs> Exactly. yeah sometimes you know it's like that's why
6: sometimes i'm afraid to go to other gyms because You know, I can just picture, no offense to guys, like all the guys that I train with are great and I love them. But sometimes it's like I walk into other gyms and I just get this look and I'm like, oh, shit, you know, this is, I'm going to get it today. I better be ready, you know, just because it's like they, sometimes it seems like they want to break you, you know, and it's like you bring it on because you're not going to break me. But that's just the attitude that I think you have to have in this sport, which it sucks, but it can only make you stronger. So that's the way that I try to look at it.
1: Well, absolutely, mm-hmm. because uh, if you walk into their gym and you leave thinking, you know, well, I beat everybody there, uh, you know, they probably feel like you don't feel like you have everything. I think that's why right. people, when you walk into a new place, they're like, all right, it's time to whoop their ass and let them know that we're good, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like, I don't know what you're trying to
6: prove. I'm a, I'm a female. <laughs> if you can't beat me, I'm sorry, then you should probably be doing a different sport. <laughs> You will not walk away
1: thinking I suck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I
6: actually, two summers ago, um, a friend of mine, um, Lauren Foley, and I went to California and we trained at um, Liz Carmouche's gym, and mm-hmm. um, we got to spar with her, and I just remember, you know, of course I'm totally shell-shocked that I'm Liz Carmouche standing in front of me, but I just remember calling my coach <laughs> afterwards and being like, I, I felt like I got hit by a 300-pound man, like, you know, it was just it totally shell-shocked me, but it was so cool, you know. I was like, dang it, I, I survived. I laughed at, you know, and I hit her a couple times. So it was, just, it was so cool to do something like that, and I look forward to going to other gyms like that because it was a great experience.
1: Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, you know, we're really excited for your flight. We're 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 excited to hear how it goes. Let us know how those two-minute rounds work for you because that just sounds (laughs) like hell to me. Um, But before we let you go, uh, because we've we've went over with all our interviews, I'm really sorry. Uh, Is there anyone any shout-outs that you'd like to give, or anything that you'd like to add to the to the interview that maybe we missed that you were hoping to get out there?
6: Um. I always got to say thank you to my family. They support me, through thick and thin. And I know this sport is kind of hard to watch, seeing your daughter get hit in the face. But (laughs) for the most part, they do really well. And I just have to say thank you to them. And um, I just signed a contract with Revolutus. So um, they're going to be giving me some shirts for my fight. So I'm going to give a shout-out to them. Just say that their gear is really great. Check it out. And just thank you guys for having me on the show. And anyone who's going to watch my fight Saturday, be ready for a war because I have a feeling it's going to be a good fight.
1: Well I'm on. Well, we look forward to hearing how it goes. Uh, good luck, and we look forward to hearing about your pro debut uh, coming this fall. Thank you.
6: I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you. Have a good evening. You too. And for those Mike. of you list- sorry about that. For those of you listening, that was Caitlin. D- we forgot to ask her how to pronounce her name, Emily. Oh, we did. We'll, we'll call her we Caitlin. We Caitlin, Caitlin, Caitlin yeah. Nicole <laughs> the Nicole hater, the uh, Nicole hater. It's kind of funny that she mentions that, you know, your family uh, getting all perturbed. I, you know, I have, I posted some of my uh, black eyes on, on Facebook. I have like some, some bruising and stuff from my fight over the weekend. And my mom kept, brought my boy to me on Sunday. <gasps> oh, my God, are you okay? And she's so perturbed that I have a black eye. And she's called me every single day. Oh, because I also Snapchatted my sister, what I looked like after the fight, and so she got to see, and she's called me every single day, are you in pain? Are you in pain? Do you hurt? My poor (laughs) daughter, are you in pain? I'm like, no, I don't hurt. It's just a black eye. It's like an abrasion. My shoulder hurts worse from where I got bruised across the cage on it. It's so funny. Moms are crazy. They are. They're crazy people. Anyway, we're going to go... I know. Uh, It's time for Sarah, TNT, and McCloy. So uh, for everyone listening out in the chat room, we're going to go ahead and get her on the line. Emily, go ahead and give her a call. Yes, ma'am. And uh, for those of you listening, be sure to check out our show sponsors at www.banktownfightwear.com. Also be sure to check out the Mile High Grizzlies, uh, proud supporters of Pro W M A. Now. You can catch us every Monday night at 930. You can also catch – Our other network buddies, Bluegrass MMA, on Tuesday nights at 9 o'clock. It's my favorite show to listen to, Gary Thomas and Juan Valley. Uh, They do an excellent job. So be sure to check them out if uh, you enjoy podcasts and enjoy listening to shows. Uh, We have the Coyote Ugly Show on Wednesday nights. You can check them out. I'm not super familiar with uh, our newest subsidiary or brother in uh, Pro MMA Now. uh, But you can check them out. And then Pro MMA Now. Live airs on Thursday nights. Uh, we know Mark that listens in regularly has wombat uh, sports on Sunday evenings, and then Jason Adams has promoting real women and bodybuilding, fitness, and MMA. His own network that I think they have shows Sundays, um, Tuesdays, uh, a couple nights a week, and he has you know they focus on bodybuilding, bodybuilding, but also MMA. And Sarah McLeod, who is with us now, is actually one of his. Hosts. So welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hi,
4: thank you. I'm doing great today. How about you? We are fantastic. Uh, I
1: believe, are you on a break from school now? Uh, yes, actually, I graduated last weekend. I thought I saw that, and if I'm not mistaken, it's something about a degree in neuroscience. That's correct, Yeah. Uh, I have no idea what that is, but I I figure, you know, rather than look stupid and act like I do, the best person to ask is you. So tell us a little bit about that.
4: Uh, Well, basically, it's similar to a a degree in biology, except for biology, there's a lot of course credits that you have to learn about plants, such as ecology and plant physiology and stuff like that. And I have zero interest in learning about plants. Um, So an escape from that was kind of a, a degree in neuroscience, which focuses a lot more on hormones and behavior and stuff that's more relevant to um, the human body as I would like to get into the medical field. Um, so neuroscience was just kind of a, a better avenue for me and a way that I could avoid learning about. Awesome, mm-hmm. awesome. Uh,
1: what do you plan to do with, with your degree, I guess? Like what kind of job would you get?
4: Uh, well, I'm currently applying for uh, medical school. Um, I've applied at three different schools and I actually got declined at one school uh, on Friday, which was kind of disappointing, but just to receive an interview is um, kind of an honor in itself. Um, so I've got two more schools that I'm waiting for, uh, both from Vancouver, Canada, and uh, I'm hoping to get at least one of them in which I would be either a medical doctor or a naturopathic doctor.
1: What made you decide that that's the career choice for you?
4: Um, I've kind of been interested in that um, for a long time now, actually for the last three four years, um, it's the reason why I got into my neuroscience degree. Um, I'm just um, I just want to help people um, kind of increase their overall health and well-being, and um, I feel that a medical doctor or a naturopathic doctor is the position to be able to
1: um, help people and influence people with their health. Now, how do you go from uh, wanting to help people and be a doctor to to also you know, whooping the shit out of people in a cage?
4: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I mean, I've always been able to separate um, fighting and school, and I always say that um, school is my top priority, and fighting is just uh, my biggest passion. So I've always Mm -hmm. been able to balance uh, my academics and school and – or, sorry, my academics and athletics. And, um, yeah, I mean, fighting keeps me sane through all the stress that I have to go through for school. (laughs) Uh, Fighting is kind of my outlet, um but mm-hmm. school is always my number one priority, and luckily, I'm able to balance both worlds.
1: and, and how how do you manage that? Do you set aside specific times for training versus uh, studying or or how does that work out? Uh, sorry, what was the question? Well, how do you manage to to balance those out? and you know do you set aside specific times for training versus study time, uh, or is it something that kind of works itself out in that You've had enough of you know uh, physical activity versus getting enough of you know your your mental uh, side. Like how how do you balance that? I guess.
4: Um, I see. I guess um, sometimes it's very difficult. Sometimes preparing for fights, um, the only kind of training that I do get is mostly focused around strength and conditioning. There um, are a lot of fights, um, such as my recent fight that I had this weekend. That was one example where I just I had finals all the time and. My main focus was just staying, um, you know, getting my cardio up, getting my strength up, and just uh, staying mentally strong. Um, So those are the kind of camps where I don't have as much uh, MMA training when I have to focus on school, and, you know, that's just the way it has to go. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, when I'm I'm studying for hours and hours and hours, I feel that I do need at least that hour break to get my cardio or conditioning and to get my blood flowing because there's only so many hours I can sit and study. I, I do need that break, and... Um, you know, I like to focus on my next fight competition, and that's what
1: drives me to to work out and stay healthy um, while I'm going mm-hmm. through school. Awesome. Now, here's something else. Uh, whenever I'm looking up our guests um, and uh, I look for pictures to post on our our advertisement, that that's who's going to be on the show. Uh, uh, you know, I saw on Google search that there were some pictures of you that remind me or reminiscent of some of the. Um, Bikini competitors like Jason has on his promoting real women's site. Uh, is that something that you've done before, uh, or did you more venture into to modeling a little bit? Because I, I was kind of intrigued by, by some of those pictures.
4: Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, when, before I was even into mixed martial arts, um, I actually was training to be a, a bikini fitness competitor. Um, mm-hmm. I did compete in a couple. I did compete in a couple bikini shows. Um, and I found that I was, um, I was really strong. My cardio was really good. Cause that was the conditioning that I was doing to prepare for these bikini shows. And, uh, uh you know, uh, out of the blue, uh, mixed martial arts, it came to Vancouver, Canada. That's where I was living at the time. And they were having their first event. And, uh, I randomly came across somebody who was looking for an opponent for a female MMA fighter. And, you know, I kind of just had to put my money where my mouth was. And I just said, you know, like I'm, I'm really strong. I'm athletic. Like I would love to, you know, give it a go and, and try to fight. I've, I've never trained in anything, but I'm really athletic and I have a lot of heart. And that's kind of where it went on from there. Um, I was really just looking, um, for the next level of competition. Um, so I did start as bikini, com- uh, as a bikini competitor. And, um, so yeah, that's kind of my route of where I started working out.
1: Awesome. Uh, and you know, uh... Getting back to, to those roots, is that just something that you lost interest in as you pursued MMA? Uh, or is it something that you consider going back to time to time? Maybe not bikini competitor, but, but modeling?
4: Um, I mean, I don't really consider myself a model per se. Um, I mean, I, I like to, I, I do have a couple photographers that um, I work very well with that are local. And um, mm-hmm. I always like to portray um, a female who is fit and athletic, and I I hope that rubs off on a lot of females who are looking for kind of that inspiration to to work out, to either get in the gym or you know just just set active lifestyle goals. Um, so that's kind mm-hmm. of my goal for that. I don't necessarily see myself as as a model. I think I mean I I think anyone can be beautiful in front of the camera. It's really just Photoshop. Um, mm-hmm. But I love to portray a, a fit, active um, female, and I hope that motivates other women. So. So I, I don't necessarily see myself as a model, but I do like bikini competitions
1: and stuff like that. Well, you know, and you do, and I don't mean that in, in, in any kind of way that sounded derogatory or negative. Uh, when I look at your some of your pictures and, and, and even your MMA photos that come up, uh i'm I'm highly impressed at how number one you're very good and you're very very talented obviously uh you're very intelligent you know pursuing a degree in, in neuroscience but also uh pursuing a doctorate's degree and and then also you know you are very beautiful and and you know just well put together it's like you kind of, i don't know uh, now maybe I feel a little bad about myself <laughs> i'm just but uh, you do have all of those aspects going on. Uh and and I think it is a very good um a very good model for for women to follow is to, to believe that you can be smart, you 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 can be tough and you can also, you know, be very beautiful. Uh do you feel like that's something that, you know, women kinda of miss in that you, you can't have the whole package? Uh
4: well that's definitely something that I, I hope to um inspire women to understand that, you know, you don't, have to, you don't have to be beautiful at all times of the day. and You know, I, I definitely would rank myself about a 2 out of 10 when I'm training. When I'm training, I'm sweaty, I'm gross. You know, it's just, you know, I look like one of the dudes when I'm training. Like I'm wearing baggy shirts, baggy clothes. Like that's just how I train. So, you know, you don't have to be beautiful all the time. You can just, you know, like there's a time and a place to be beautiful, and um, I think that you should be able to put that aside to achieve your academic, your athletic goals. Um, and, you know, I believe that any, any woman should strive to
1: be well-rounded um, in such a way like that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, now to talk a little bit about your fight, uh, because, of course, we want to get to know you. We want an introduction to you and who you are. Uh, I, um, I really enjoy hearing your, your perspective on, uh, you know, trading and, and all of those things. But to move past that and, and you as a fighter. A little bit about the, the weekend and what happened with your fight. Do you care to give us a little recap of, uh, of your competition over the weekend?
4: Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I was going out of town to fight. Um, uh, usually when I travel out of town, I do know people. Like, I've traveled to Ohio, and uh, I know Jason there. So it makes the weight cut a little bit easier when uh, you have a friend to be able to drive you um, to food right away and stuff. Um, this time was a little bit more difficult. I didn't actually have a ride um, to be, to be able to eat after weigh-ins until about three hours in. So, you know, there was some kind of ups and downs, um, of the weekend, but, uh, come fight day, I felt strong and, um, unfortunately my opponent didn't make weight and, you know, I think that I was kind of a little bit butthurt about that for a while and, uh, come fight day, um, she did actually feel exceptionally strong. Um, I don't know if maybe she just is an exceptionally strong woman, but, um, uh, during the fight of course I couldn't help to think like, Oh, you know, like she didn't make weight, uh you know, but um she, she was a super tough girl. Um it was kind of just a stand up war, uh, first round and second round. Um, I kinda got the better half of it and um it was it was bloody from both sides. I was bloody, she was bloody and um I was able to get the rear naked choke um at the last ten seconds of round two. Awesome.
1: Uh you know, Going into that fight, uh, um, you said that she had missed weight. Uh, did you consider at all not doing the fight when she missed?
4: Um, no, I mean, it, it, it didn't cross my mind at all. Um, I mean, it was kind of just a, 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 and a time where I just kind of felt disrespected. I feel that um, as an amateur, um, of course, there's never any reason to miss weight. Um, but as an amateur, I think it's a little bit more forgiving. Uh, Whereas as a professional, we agree on a weight, and I was already fighting at a higher weight than I usually fight at. Um, She usually fights at 125, and I usually fight at 115. Um, So we agreed Mm -hmm. to meet at 120, and um, Mm -hmm. that's already a higher weight class than I usually fight at. Um, And so I kind of felt disrespected. And, um, I mean, I know she was grinding. She was was trying really hard to make that 120 because I heard uh, from the promoter that she had been busting her ass off all day trying to make that. So um, I didn't actually tell her um, to go make that weight. Once once she didn't make weight, I um, I just took a um, uh, a money agreement, um, you know. But still, there, there was a part of me that was kind of really uh, I felt really
1: disrespected. Is is all that is? Absolutely, I can see that, and that's kind of my thing. I'm always like, if someone missed weight pretty bad, and I had already kind of mm-hmm. given up some weight, I, I don't know it uh, that I would I, I would fight. And you know, sometimes you see fighters say, well. Um, you know, my, my opponent didn't take the fight because I missed weight and, and they act like it shouldn't be that big of a deal. But it really is in that you have weeks and weeks and weeks to prepare, don't you think?
4: Yeah, and I mean, the last two hours before weigh-ins, I was two pounds out and I I literally busted my ass. Like, I was done. Like, although it's not my weight class, it's a little higher. Like, I still cut a lot of weight to get to 120. So, I I was busting my butt off in 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 the sauna and it was really hard for me you know and to know that i didn't actually need well i mean i guess to make weight i, I felt like i i was respectful to our agreement so i'm not going to say that oh like i shouldn't have cut that last two pounds but i'm mm-hmm. i just put my my body through a lot of stress to actually make that weight and to
1: get to 120 right on uh, with this fight now you're one 0 as is a pro uh Where do you hope to go from here? Uh, You know, are you going to kind of stick with uh, fighting? I know you fought for Beck and Rumble uh, in your area. Are you going to hope to get some more experience as a pro in that area, or are you hoping to move up maybe to Invicta if they're still looking for for new talent?
4: Um, Yeah, I mean, whoever uh, would like to fight, um, of course, Invicta would be amazing, um, an amazing opportunity. I'd be honored to do that. but I would like to get um, one fight in for any promotion, really, just any 115-pound uh, female that um, would like to fight me uh, in the next month or two um, is definitely my goal. But um, there's no plans for any particular association. I would just like to fight, really, anyone.
1: Awesome, awesome. And uh, with that, do you have anything on the horizon that, you, that you've lined up already, or are you just looking?
4: Um, I've got a couple offers since my last, um, since this weekend's fight I've um actually got an inbox full of offers for uh, professional fights now. Um so it's just a matter of who my manager thinks is um a good matchup for me. hmm
1: Uh you know, and pursuing something else I noticed that you do you know, you're pursuing your education, you're pursuing a professional career, uh, you're very busy, A uh, very busy lady, but you're also helping co host some of the episodes with promoting real women. Um you know, with fighting being your passion and, and your career that you're pursuing, uh, where do you see MMA kind of taking you? Uh, you know, eventually maybe taking a back seat, or do you think it being at the forefront of, of your goals and your careers uh, before long?
4: Um, I mean, I would always like to pursue a career at um, in mixed martial arts, um, but of course, mm-hmm. uh, school is my, my school is my top priority. Um, mm-hmm. Just as a positive thinker, thinker as, that I am, I hope that um, mixed martial arts will, will always be a part of my life, um, but if school, for some reason, um, you know, takes over and fighting has to take a, take a seat for a bit, um, then, you know, I still want to be a part of co-hosting uh, Promoting Real Women, and, you know, I love giving um, female fighters that platform um, to kind of inspire and motivate our listeners and, you know, just educate more people about female and mixed martial arts.
1: And I think we have a couple of questions from the chat room before before we let you go. Emily, you have some questions? Yes, ma'am.
3: One of our questions comes from Wombat Sports, or Mark with a Q, as we call him. And it's kind of adding on to what you just mentioned with regards to school and fighting. Um, The question is, you know, did fighting and training camps feed into your decisions on where to apply for medical school?
4: Um. Really, it doesn't i'm I'm very limited um, as to where I can apply for medical school. i am uh, um, I am Canadian, so it actually prevented me from applying anywhere in the state um, because I do have um, a very uh, a very big um, medical school back home in Vancouver. It kind of prevents mm-hmm. me from applying it really prevents me from applying anywhere else. Um, so yeah, I mean I, I had to I had to apply mostly to Vancouver and Calgary. Uh, Edmonton, uh, or sorry, Calgary, Alberta, and Canada was one other province that allowed me to apply, but all of it is in Canada because I am Canadian.
3: Okay, and kind of, you know, going off of that, when do you think you would start medical school knowing that you just got your degree in neuroscience and you've been applying? Is there any start date on the horizon?
4: Yeah, I mean, pretty much all of them start in September, so... um, So, yeah, it would be September, and I have plans to move back to Canada um, July 9th. I actually, I graduated May 9th, and uh, according to my student visa that I'm living in the States in, I have 60 days to move back to Canada. So, within 60 days, I'll be living back in Canada.
0: Okay. That's
4: Yeah. uh, yeah. We have another question from Jason Adams,
3: and... His question is more of like a demand to explain, but uh, he wants you to tell us how you got the Seven Plate Sarah nickname.
4: Sorry, how I got oh seven. Um, okay, yeah. well I took <laughs> I took a fight in uh, Ohio and uh, Jason, uh, of course, was my corner and he was helping me uh, drive around and um, you know after weigh-ins it, it's great to have a friend to drive you around and get you that food in your belly right away. And uh, we went to Golden Corral, and of course, um, after weigh-ins, you're hungry, you haven't been eating all this <laughs> delicious food in so long, and my eyes tend to be bigger than my stomach is, and I ended up eating seven plates from Golden Corral, like seven full plates, and I ended up barfing, like, <laughs> right before... Um, my fight, because I started warming up and, like, jumping up and down. And um, the thing is that in Ohio, it's um, same-day weigh-ins. So you weigh in, and you literally, you're fighting, like, five, six hours after. Um, so my food didn't have time to digest, and I jumped around a little bit, hit a little pad, and so had to run to the bathroom, and I was I was puking up some, a lot of my food, like, um, literally, like, two minutes before I walked out to fight. Um, Luckily, I got the win that day, but that's where I got my uh, my nickname, Seven Plates, Sarah. <laughs> nice. Now,
3: we've got to know, what did you fill those plates up with? Was it sweet? <laughs> what was it?
4: What was
0: well, the uh, go-to?
4: It, it, it was a little bit of everything. And Golden Corral, I mean, they have everything. I had steak and potatoes, uh, chicken, fish, pizza. Uh, oh my gosh! I had everything. Um, nowadays, when I do cut weight, I tend to keep it a little more healthy. Um, I'll stick to like mm-hmm. a healthy pasta, or you know, I'll, I stick away from um, my ice cream and pizza. I wait. I save those till after the fight now. But seven plates, Sarah didn't didn't resist the pizza and ice cream and stuff at that time. <laughs> <laughs>
1: nice. I, do we have any more? Okay. Uh, well, I think we're done with the – we've kept you on for forever. I'm really sorry about that. Uh, but uh, with that, I think we will, we'll quit interrogating you and, and say thank you for coming on the show tonight. Is there anything that you'd like to add that maybe we missed or um, any shout-outs that you'd like to give uh, that you weren't able to give uh, after your fight on, on Friday? Um, yeah,
4: I mean, just my main sponsor, of course, is Jason Adams. He's always supported me through, um, throughout the years. Um, so if, if all the listeners, you can check out this, that page at Promoting Women in Bodybuilding Fitness and MMA, if I said that in the right order. Um, so that's a, that's a good page to check out. And um, I always want to thank anybody who you know, sends me positive energy, all my positive fans and supporters. And um, thank you very much for this opportunity.
1: Well, thank you so much for being a guest with us tonight. Uh, we look forward to hearing about your next fight that you have coming up, uh, offer that you decide to take. And uh, with that, we'll let you go. Have a great evening. Thank you, you too. Bye. Bye-bye. And for those of you that were listening, that was Sarah McLeod. I said it wrong <laughs> uh, when she was on the <laughs> show with us. Uh, wonderful guest and, and appreciate her coming on the show tonight. Um, now that she is off the show, we'll let Eric off the leash. <sighs> <laughs> we had to cycle him. How did I mute only him? I don't know. Yeah. Um, I had a hard time. My computer was freezing and I had to click on him and then it popped up that I could could mute him. It was very, very difficult. So oh, I have no idea. I can hear it now.
3: Whoa, my mind um, is blown. This is what not I know, me, right? says to me. Summer break and my mind's already gone. We had to mute him because he was asking
1: inappropriate questions that he was asking to ask. He can't help himself. He's like uh, the wolf in, um, like cartoons. You know, it, it comes to mind. It, it brings up something that I, I think I was going to talk about discussing uh, in the week is, you know, Eric wants to know, and this is something I've seen him ask: is what's the difference between what he does in posting about, you know, some of these women and how hot they are and writing articles about how sexy they are and uh, and stuff like that. And then what Babes of MMA does, who's actually, uh, you know, posted about fights that I've been in. You know, they, they feature uh, attractive females in the sport. Um, you know, obviously the name is Babes of MMA. And how does what Eric does differ in uh, what you consider degrading as opposed to what Babes of MMA does? Emily, uh, what are your feelings on that? Do you feel like there's any difference um, that there's any difference in a website called Babes of MMA showcasing, you know, hot female fighters as opposed to uh, Eric and in his sexy, racy article? Because I do, I feel like there's intent. Go ahead. Go ahead.
3: No, go ahead. I'm sorry. I kind of feel like the intent behind what you're doing. Like sometimes. Like what happened before last week's episode. Um, you know, you can kind of promote someone, up, like promote someone up, like you know, all look just sexified or blah blah blah, and you know you're doing it to kind of dig into someone else or to kind of stir up that drama because Eric mm-hmm. Holden already kind of has a history behind him, based on you know things that he does. He's known as a troll. That's just a fact out there, and mm-hmm. so it kind of your intent with it like with babes of MMA, you yeah, know, they're very big supporters of female athletes and you know, they don't promote them with the, mm-hmm. with mal intent. I guess I don't want to say that Eric has mal intent, but it's definitely not the best.
0: Mhm.
3: That makes
1: sense. Well, uh yes, and I, I don't think that uh I I'm, I give him the benefit of the doubt and that I don't think that Eric's intentions are to um be harmful. Yes, in absolutely. the absolutely. And he does that. But the thing is is that it is it draws attention and uh it's uh in an og- ogling fashion is like um that's the only thing you noticed and it's like uh it's one thing And, you know, this is something even about men that I would say is very attractive in a man who can notice a beautiful woman and appreciate a beautiful woman and recognize that she is very attractive and has sexual appeal. And it's another thing for a – it's very unattractive when a man is drooling all over himself, practically fondling his own junk, can't control his animal instinct, you know, acting like – Blue, it's a girl. You know what I'm saying? Uh, acting yeah. kind of child boy like. It's it's not. A, it's it's in the way that you approach it. I think is what makes the difference. There's nothing wrong with, you know, recognizing a smart, sexy, beautiful woman and 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 treating her as such. A smart, sexy, beautiful woman and being like, who am I calling titties, titties, titties? You know what I'm saying? And that how you approach it. And it, 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 even for your own, you know. Uh, in how you're viewed in in the perspective of you either come off as, you know, a a man with self-control and some dignity and that can, you know, recognize when things are a certain way, or you come off as someone who, you know, has no self-control, is immature and uh, is an ogler, you know. Men talk amongst each other all the time about someone being smoking hot and maybe, you know, Go off a little bit about certain things about about females to each other, but I think in the public eye it's a little differently in in how that you approach it, and that you can't just act like you know you've never seen you've never seen a woman half naked before. It's it's unattractive, it's not respectful, and it's and, and it's in in the approach. And that babes of MMA is like, look, here she is. She's smart. She's tough. She's she's hot. Uh, check her out when she fights. And then there's like, oh, my God, she has boobs and she has ass and she's going to get in the cage and probably wear a short skirt and you might get to see it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I I think that, you know, I don't mean that in a way like to to criticize Eric so much uh, as it sounds, but that's the biggest difference in in what he writes and, and what the Babes of MMA guy is writing. And it's a fine line that you have to walk between what's okay and what's compliment like what's a compliment. And what's, you know, pervy, and you're you're doing a little much. Does that make sense? Yes, All it right. does. But uh, I don't know. You just gotta reel it in, pal. That that would be my advice: is reel it in a little bit. You're uh, you you're focusing, you're focusing too much on one thing. That's not the most important thing about the uh, about the person. You know, like cyborg even. Uh, has been uh, posting some of her her pictures where she did you know a little has a little more sex appeal in it and she looks nice and she looks very badass but that's not the only thing that you need to remember marketability and marketing the fact that a woman can be sexy and tough is a lot different than saying this is all she has to offer the fact that she you know has tits and ass. Um, and someone just said it's treating them as objects versus treating them like as a person who is attractive and, and I guess that's kind of my point is uh, don't treat them as the body parts that you like to look at treat them as a person who is a very attractive person and also has other qualities uh, you you wouldn't want you wouldn't want some he doesn't like it when people only treat him as you know a, a troll dumbass and you know talk to him down and and you know he expresses this to me that he doesn't think that it's fair that, you know, people want to just like beat him up in public because we're more civilized than that. Well, we are so more civilized than to just only look at a female for certain aspects of her body. And that's kind of the point. Is you know there there are certain things that you think we're more we should be above and and more civilized in, and and that's how people kind of feel about you. Is there are certain things that you should your civilization and who you are as a human should have brought you above in, in your maturity levels, and I think that's why you get so much backlash. I don't know. Anyways, that's my that's my thoughts. The difference between just. Uh, I mean, it's the difference between Playboy and Hustler, you know, showcasing women in in, in a beautiful aspect, uh, almost artistically. And then, you know, kind of just like spread-eagling it out there, and that, that's the only thing it's good for. Um, so, I don't know. There's a line. It's there, and it shouldn't be crossed, you know. Anyway, mm-hmm. we're going to talk a little bit about this uh, before before we got caught up in something completely different. (laughs) Um, What do you think about the fighters, uh, and it's happened several times here in the last couple weeks, about fighters who, once they get a TKO or they get a submission on, maybe it's an arm lock or an ankle lock or a crank or something, they get it on there, they slap it on, they have maybe the fighter that they're fighting knocked out, and when the referee tells them, all right, stop, they keep cranking, they keep punching, they keep trying to, you know, do whatever it is they are doing to cause damage to their opponent until the referee has to literally drag them off of them. What do you think about that? Because I have some strong opinions and, and find it to be complete and utter bullshit that this happens.
3: I agree with you on that. It is complete and utter bullshit. Like there's, when you go into that cage, you know that there are two ways to stop. The ref says stop, mm-hmm. or that bell rings, and then you stop. As a fighter, mm-hmm. that is what you know. If that ref says stop you better fucking stop because mm-hmm. it, it can be a matter of life and death if you knock someone out and you keep on beating their face in, you have brain damage if you choke someone they go out you keep that choke on you can have again brain damage like that that can be life or death and mm-hmm. as a fighter you know do on others as you would want done to yourself if someone mm-hmm. gets me in an ankle lock guess what they got me in an ankle lock it sucks i'm going to lose but I would like to be able to walk for the rest of my life. So if I tap, I expect you to let go. If I mm-hmm. get you in an ankle lock and you tap, you expect me to let go. Like it's, that's, that's what it is. And when you have fighters who become known for doing moves like that, it's, it's sad. And it's bad for the sport because then you have people who look at the sport and they think, well, you know, shit, I'm not going to do that. Someone's not going to mm-hmm. stop. Like that could be me dying right there. That could be me losing my leg for the rest of my life. It's
1: mm-hmm. not I, absolutely. good for the sport at all. I agree. And the one thing that I, that upset me about this video that they had of the uh, referee in the UK that had to jump on the fighters back to pull him off is this guy didn't get DQ'd. He didn't get reprimanded. He won the fight uh, with the TKL. And, you know, it, maybe it's not important to him, but I think that if that happens and that you can't control yourself and the referee tells you to stop and you don't, Automatic disqualification, no matter what. Uh, It's uh, it's it's beyond ridiculous because uh, talking about being in a civilized society and and all of these things, we fight for a sport. Cage Mm -hmm. fights are not a legal sanctioned way to have street fights. It's not. We have rules. We have rules that you're not you know. And if I can't trust you to stop hitting me, who's to say I can't trust you to not kick me in the groin if I'm a man, which is bullcrap because, you know, that can affect your ability to, to have children. Uh, who's to say I can trust you to not gouge my eye out and call it an accident? And so then it starts getting to the legal ramifications of fighting. But if we can't trust the people that are getting into the cage to represent us in the sport to not do dirty, shady shit, uh, you know, then we, can't, we don't have – we can't look to these people who say, you know, MMA is too violent as a reason to keep it out of a state. And say, yeah, you know, you're wrong. It's not violent, These people aren't violent. They're just competing in a sport. When you have some people who want to go in there and act like animals, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. So it's like you're you're very much hurting the sport, and that you really take away our credibility when we when we go back and say, no, these people are just competing in a sport. You take away our credibility in our argument. Uh, and, and why would you want to do that, especially if you've won the fight? I don't understand. The other thing is why you would want to do that if you've won the fight. You hate this person so much that you want to keep hitting them after they're knocked out. You won the fight. You within the legal limits of the law, you could have killed them. You know, you, you have that to say. But I just don't understand anybody's reasoning, and we talk about, I think Maureen Riordan was one who talked about how um, she wasn't going to fight, I think, Shannon Culpepper because they had a personal issue and she didn't think that the cage was the place to settle beefs because it's, you know, the ring is not a place to uh, have a legal street fight, and I agree with that, and that kind of goes back into the same thing as with, you know, if you hate me and you, you want to hurt me, who's to say that if we get in the cage that... If I'm knocked out, that you're not going to keep trying to hit me. And so I think that's another reason that if you feel that, you know what, uh, if you don't respect me as an opponent, then you don't deserve the right to step in the ring with me. I think that if that's how Maureen feels, and I know I've certainly felt that way about an opponent, if that's how you feel, you are justified in that we're participating in a sport now. If it comes down to the wire that you want to try and kill me, then just pull out the knives, Jesus, you know, uh, and, and just have a straight yeah. fight. That's, that's ridiculous. But,
3: uh, not only that, it, too, but think about the idea from your training partners. If mm-hmm. I see you go out into a fight and you get a girl on an arm bar and you don't let go, even when she's tapping, I see her arm breaking in half, I am not going to want to help you in your fight camps at all because what says you don't break my arm. If Mm -hmm. I've got to go to work or class Monday through Friday or even a job, because some of the people in our gym have jobs, but they can't go to their jobs anymore because you hurt them in the gym, like whatever you're Mm -hmm. doing in the cage transferring over, I'm not going to want to help you as a coach. I would not want you sparring with my other fighters because Mm -hmm. what says you don't go crazy or lose it and hurt them Mm -hmm. as well,
1: that can destroy a gym. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, mixed martial arts, and being a martial artist and, and all of those things, um, Tim Crater said it in Fightville, and, and I agreed with him. Is that uh, martial arts isn't all about fighting necessarily? It's not a hundred percent about getting in there and beating the hell out of each other. It's about building better people and something about getting back to that innate, you know, uh, need to to really fight and get that out there. And and not just that, but like be competitive about it and and take it to a level of sport rather than, you know, kind of walking around scared, is that you do build yourself up as a better person. And if this better person that you're supposed to be building isn't any better than to want to pummel somebody who is already unconscious. Now, I'm not really sure what that says about you as a person, Uh, you know, and and what that says about you as another human being that that you feel that way. If you want to be a stone-cold, you know, murderer and try to hurt somebody that's that unconscious already, you don't belong to be. You don't belong in the same uh, category as I am, as someone who's striving to be honorable, and so therefore you don't deserve to, to, to fight again. And that's kind of my next thing is that if you feel that way and that you are, are one of those people who um, keeps hitting someone or keeps trying to seriously injure someone after the fight's been called, I think that you should be disqualified and I think that you should really be uh, suspended for at least a 6-month period. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh and someone pointed this out we talked about Pahares uh he's a prime example of not letting it go and that Dana White made a huge statement with his firing and saying that you might be one of the best fighters in the world, you might be super entertaining, but even the UFC won't put up with someone holding on to submissions after it's after the fight's been won. Uh so, you know, um, I, I feel like we're kind of back to that. that's a very good point, uh, Mark, is that Dana White even um, uh, fires fighters who hold on to stuff too long. But I just don't understand. It seems like it's a, a more recent evident thing. Don't you think that we're seeing it a little more here lately? I do. I agree I that.
3: And sometimes, like, even when you go with eye poking, like sometimes I can't remember the card, Um. It was one of them that we watched at Hooters, but there were three or four different eye gouges on the same card. It kind of has that domino effect where if one fighter does it and they get away with it, well, mm-hmm. by golly, I'm going to do it too. And it's that idea that you know once it starts, if it's not stopped and squished, it can kind of keep on happening again and
1: again. Well, groin shots included in that. Um, uh-huh. If if you can, or hitting to the back of the head. Oh, I was swinging wild and accidentally hit to the back of the head. The thing is, is people in a sport, I know every now and then a shot to the back of the head is going to occur. But you, like eye gouges, even. you do it once, maybe it's an accident. If you do it twice, you should definitely get to a point taken away.
0: You know, mm-hmm. and I
1: feel like if you really want to change something that's a problem like eye gouging, start every time someone, you know, maybe the first time you let it go, but the second time, if every time that it happens again, you take a point away, i think you'll start seeing i think you'll start seeing a difference in that people don't have such a problem anymore with eye gouging. And that, you know, if it's a difference in I've won this round, but suddenly I got a point taken away because I couldn't control sticking my fingers out, i think that you'll suddenly see that people can control where their fingers go if it's a difference in a point's going to be taken away. And but that's just kind of my take on it is that uh same as cage grabbing uh a guy gets a point taken away he suddenly stops grabbing that cage uh if they know it's going to happen and it's a serious consequence um maybe it's treating them like babies a little bit but if that's what you need if you know you're getting a point taken away and it's a serious consequence suddenly you'll find a way to remember to stop breaking that rule and I, i think that's kind of the thing is if you make the consequences serious enough that okay You want to keep hitting somebody after they're already down, after they're already out, or hold on to a submission after they're already down, already out. Number one, you'll never fight for the UFC doing that already. We know because they fire you. But number two, the athletic commissions need to take a stand on it, I think. And if you are caught doing that, you are suspended for a very serious amount of time. Uh, You know, if you love fighting, you'll control your damn self and stop doing that. Don't you think? Yes, Absolutely. But anyways, that was kind of my rant for the day because I, I I've been seeing this. We saw it with Paul Harris, which has been a while back. We saw it with a guy with the the um the World Series of Fighting. I can't remember who he was. Uh, and then we saw it here recently with the the fight in the UK. But my opinion is is that it's it's the criminal thing. You you could never walk out into the street and just hit somebody without it being a, an assault charge. And when the bell rings. And I've agreed to the fact that we're fighting, game on. But when that bell rings and you're not supposed to be hitting me, you're assaulting someone. 100% you're assaulting someone. And even if they arrested somebody for doing that and charged them with assault, I think it would be justified. What do you guys think in the chat room? Did I, did I step over the line there and, and going that far with it, or do you agree with me? Well, they're Ooh. agreeing with you. Um,
3: you've still got that side conversation. Oh, is someone else in the line? No, I swear to church someone, you've got that side conversation <laughs> still going about, I'm, I'm hearing voices, I swear to God, but in the chat, we've got that side conversation about women and MMA and how you promote them, and everything else has been spot on with what you're saying. It, uh, even while that board stated, you know, when the ref states in the meeting, when I say break, let go of your opponent, and that's something
1: that every fighter hears before they fight.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. Uh, what about what happened with ICF? I know uh, Mark with Wombat Sports was there and uh, from what I understand, L- L- Lonell House and um, Emily Cor- Corso I think was her name. Uh, they, were, they had a fight. They were fighting and Emily had an arm bar and I don't know how deep it was, how, how tightly it was put on but both fighters agreed that uh, Emily didn't feel like Emily uh, that L- Linnell was tapping, or or go, uh, like, you doing anything that justified the referee stopping it. Hmm. Um. Anyways, um, what do you think about uh, about those instances? When is it a justified stoppage, especially when it comes to pros? Because my opinion is that when it's amateurs, uh, it's a little bit more up to the the referee's discretion uh, in that, you know, these people go to work the next day. Sometimes they're too stubborn. And there's no money on the line, just egos. And if it's simply an ego, uh, you know, if they have to go to work to feed their family the next day, you did them a favor by tapping for them. Um, Mm -hmm. So when it comes to pros, I don't feel like... Have as much freedom to just kind of jump in there based upon their their own discretion. I think that they should have some real clear cut sign uh, before they just up and decide that the the arm is getting cranked enough. What do you think?
3: With regard to submissions, I think it should follow how a grappling tournament goes. You know, yes, in MMA you have striking, but even in Grappling tournaments, that rest will tell you, if I see that you are in a dangerous position and you're not tapping because you are stubborn, I will, you know, stop the match for you. Of course, you know, when you have money on the line, you know, yes, yeah, someone might win, you know, a $1,000, $500, depending on where they're fighting, but if they break their arm, you know, the majority of that money that they win is going to have to go to medical bills and therapy. Same with heel hooks, ankle locks. So I kind of feel like I disagree a little bit And that I think if a ref feels, you know, you should stop or that a submission is in place, then it should be stopped. However, at the same time, this is even something that we teach the kids that come to AFS Academy. If something hurts and you are going to get hurt, you tap. If you don't tap Mm and you get hurt, it is on yourself. Mm -hmm. So I kind of, in one way, I feel like, you know, if it's an arm bar and you see their elbow pointing to the ceiling when it should be pointing to the ground because mm-hmm. you know, their arm has been fully broken, then I feel, yeah, you should stop. If that was a street fight, that your arm is broken. You know, Your opponent's doing whatever it is that they want to right now to you. But so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm kind of torn. Like In a way, I think, yes, the ref should have a right to say, but I also feel like it's your responsibility as an adult and as a fighter that if, You get caught in a choke if you get caught in, you know, something that you stop. You tap. That's your job. That's your loss. Your loss is your hand hitting that mat. And if Mm -hmm. anything, it will make you a better fighter to not want to feel that
1: again. Well, uh, there's a couple things, and I equate this a little bit to, uh, like, weightlifting. Sometimes people don't realize that they're doing as much damage as they are with bad form or bad technique. Uh, Say that they're bending over a little too much in a deadlift. Uh, trying to lift too much weight, and they slip a disc before they know it, and then they're hurt. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. And it's kind of the same thing is that, um, you know, you feel pressure on something. Maybe you think you're okay, and then all of a sudden it slips just right, and, and your arms, you know, the the capsule's popped in, in your elbow. And maybe that's something that a referee could see. Maybe it's not. Um, or maybe you're just too stubborn to tap and, and to, you know, uh, even if you can feel the bad technique, to equate it back to, to to lifting, maybe even sometimes you can feel that you're doing it with bad technique, but you just want to get that weight up. Or uh, if we go back to, to MMA, maybe you know that it's bending a little much, you're too stubborn, you don't want to lose that weight, you feel like you can fight out of it. Um, sometimes, as they say, people like myself even have more balls than brains, <laughs> and uh, will fight out of stuff due to adrenaline or for pride or for ego that they shouldn't. And so that's when it comes in. Um, it comes into, you know, the referee's discretion. Uh, the referee knows better and he can see that you're on the verge and that there's – if they can see that there's no way you're going to escape it, say uh, it's a runic of chokes, uh, someone has your back, they have their hooks in, you're not able to escape, they have you belly down, the arm is under the chin, around the neck, and your eyes are getting ready to roll back into your head, and they call it, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, Or if a a fighter cries out during a a submission attempt and that it's obviously very, very painful enough to where you scream out, you know, the referee has the right to to stop the fight. Um, But when both fighters are confused as to why this happened, what do you think should happen from there? Can, you know, should they get to start over? Uh, the fight's been called. Did the referee make a mistake? It should be a no contest if both fighters agree that, you know, they they had no idea. What should happen in those cases? Like what happened at uh, the ICF? I kind of feel like it should think. be
3: ruled no contest because if someone has their opponent in a submission, you know, they obviously worked very hard to get that. And starting them over in that position in that dead zone you can always say, well, you know, they restarted it, but she had, you know, a different grip, or she had the armbar tight, and from that position, I couldn't get out of it. But before, I would have been able to if you wouldn't have stopped it. So I feel like mm-hmm. the safest thing would be to have a no contest, and maybe, maybe even give the fighters the option of having a rematch, and the mm-hmm. no contest will be turned over to whatever the next results are. But at the same time, that mm-hmm. kind of overlooks all the work that, Whoever was putting on the submission did to
1: get them there. What do you mm-hmm. think? Uh, you know, I don't know. And then there's something else that this makes me think of that you know people are are talking about. That's a possibility. Uh, how do you think that this could all play into what if MMA had instant replays to where they could go back and review and 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 look at something? Do you think that's something that could help MMA as a sport? And it's somewhere where we did see it help. Uh, for example, it, at Metamoris when Eddie Bravo and Brother um, Gracie, they uh, had their match, and they got too close to the edge. And they decided that they were going to have to move them back to the middle of the mat and, and restart, but they wanted them to restart in the exact position. And mm-hmm. – uh, well, it was like, okay, let's start back. We were like this. I was on top. And Eddie Bravo was like, no, uh, I was on top. I had my lockdown uh, with, uh, you know, the banana splits with the leg up. I think that's the position. Anyways, he had his leg up in a certain position, and he was like, no, I was on top, and they were arguing about it. And then, you know, I think the matchmaker of Metamorphs was saying, just start and how fair is that if you get into a position and that you need to stand up and that you go back to the same position they went and said okay Let's look at the tape. Let's look at the replay and put them back in the position based on the replays. Do you think that's something that could help in mixed martial arts, or can you think of an instance where that could be a benefit? And uh, we're running out of time here. If you want to call in to listen or chime in on uh, the discussion before we close up, because we probably won't take much longer. But if you do want to call in, the number to call is 347-884-9986. Emily will click over and find out if you just want to listen or talk. But where is the case that instant replay could possibly uh, help in fights and, or how would uh, you change the rule to, you know, to, to make it to where it is a benefit or would it be more of a hindrance to, to the excitement of the fight? You know, what do you think?
3: I kind of feel like it would definitely be beneficial because when you think about it, if you have, you know, accidental rolling strikes, things like that, you know, well, did they hit your leg? Did they hit your groin? Did they hit your abdomen? And you're just kind of reeling over because it was a, a good liver shot or body shot? And, mm-hmm. and that could that instant replay could definitely be there because if a fighter says, oh, you know, he hit me in the groin, I need my five minutes. Well, during that time he's recovering, check instant replay. No, he really hit you in the stomach. That's a point deduction.
0: Mm-hmm. So it can
3: definitely be helpful there. And then even in the case of, you know, a ref, stopping a fight too soon if that if it's viewed that way. You can mm-hmm. have instant replay there. Like, the only thing is that when you think about instant replay, you're going to have to add, I guess, another person to that ring because your refs aren't going to, you know, want to take their their eyes off that ring, I guess, to look at the instant replay as the fight is mm-hmm. still going on because they're going to be constantly focused. Mm-hmm. Where do you think but, it can be the benefit?
1: Ooh. Well, you know, somewhere where I think this was discussed before uh, in that, uh, I can't remember if there's a state that allows it or not. Um, it seems like there is. But a, a place where instant replay could, it could possibly be a benefit is when there's confusion over an illegal technique that would cause a disqualification. Uh, a perfect example, I think, that we went through is when uh, Jasmine Duke fought Miriam Nakamoto, and there was the questionable call of whether or not she was knocked out. Miriam was awarded the victory. And even given a knockout of the night bonus, and uh, you know, when when I was there, and when we talked about it to, to John McCarthy, he would not back up off his opinion that Jessamyn had been knocked out, and that the the second knee came, you know, whenever, and that you know he had ruled it right. He would not back up off his his uh, initial ruling. And it was one of those things where after months of the tape being reviewed and being sent off to the commission that they did go back and change the ruling. But what if referees had this and it wouldn't make them, I think, so adamant about defending something uh, to the point of they have to kind of be a, a, a jerk about it, is that, you know what, it's a possibility Let's watch the instant replay and I can make the correct call then. And that would be more fair to all of the fighters involved because let's be honest, uh, while Miriam may or may not have done that on purpose, I don't, I, I don't think that, you know, it was necessarily on purpose, but it really wasn't fair uh, to her to, to get to claim that victory as a KO and then have it kind of ripped out from under her, so to speak, you know, like that. That's that's disheartening, I think, for even that fighter's perspective. Uh, not to mention that, you know, from Jessamyn Duke's perspective, you know, I got Mead illegally, and then here this person gets a knockout of the night bonus. We're talking about mm-hmm. fighting, which is very personal, and those kind of bad calls being made that, you know, people will take that stuff personal. You don't think that Miriam took it personal, that her fight was turned over? You know, I'm sure she did, and this is something they still, uh, you know, kind of have hard feelings about towards each other, I think, and that, you know, this is something that an in instant replay... I think could have really squashed some some issues uh, way ahead of time with, don't you think? And I think we have someone here with us that uh, may want to chime in on that and, and let us know how they think. Go ahead, caller. It's Mark. Um, we know yeah. it is.
5: We've we've missed you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, yeah. I was there for for the for the, the fight obviously because I was filming the, filming the fight. And you guys can can watch it and kind of decide for yourselves. Uh, why sports.com has it posted. I didn't hear any any yelling, and um, you know, from what I was seeing, there was no screaming or anything from Linnell's end of things. Um, we didn't see a tap. What I saw was maybe a brush of the knee uh, that Linnell was doing, and I think I was just for positioning purposes. It wasn't because she was tapping, and I think that's mm-hmm. maybe where the where the referee got kind of confused about what was going on. Um, and, and to tell you the truth, this is probably a rookie referee that was in there. Um, I had mentioned that. Um, the uh the uh probably the best referee in the state wasn't there just because he was he was actually um he was actually uh another fight um another part of the state that evening he happens to be my uh and he happens to be uh my uh my coach my b j j coach by the way um but um you know um i think it was just a rookie mistake by the referee um you know and you know referees are human and um mm-hmm. you know i understand big johnson you know um he was kind of sticking by what he was thinking, but you know you know referees are human, they do make mistakes, they're not um always hundred and ten percent as much as they want to you know want to admit that they you know they are but a lot of even i think even John says sometimes that that he um he does make mistakes uh, quite often but um I think it should have you know it should have been a, considered a no contest after looking back at what was going on um because i mean she had her in position when when the tap happened. And then she let go of the hold and kind of, you know, was in, um, and you could see it on the tape. You could see that Emily was like looking at the referee and saying, you know, what's going on? Um, you know, it's like, you know, she knew that there wasn't a tap. And she, after afterwards, she said that yeah, she did. She knew that there wasn't a tap. Um, and Linnell obviously says that there wasn't a tap either. And there was a lot of confusion. And there was a, um, you know, we were and and after I put down the camera, you know, because they're still trying to figure out what was going on. Somebody had a camera phone on them, and they had recorded the fight. Um, and then we were all at the replay of what was going on, and we saw that there wasn't any tap. Um, mm-hmm. so, um, so we did kind of have instant replay there. I was hoping that the referee would consider um, going that as well, but I think it was a situation where he didn't know what to do, um, and mm-hmm. the best thing to do kind of but was to say that it was a technical submission. But from what I'm hearing, uh, Linnell's camp is going to be appealing, uh, appealing the ruling, and uh, most rightfully so uh, should be appealing that ruling. So just to let you know
1: absolutely and you know that's that's the right thing to do is if there's some confusion and, and both fighters can agree and you have it on tape you know uh, when do you think this is a case where instant replay would help to kind of solve the case in that um yeah. you know i emily you know i'm sure uh, it's declared a win for her the promotion paid her her win purse uh you know the the other girl goes away kind of you know I guess kind of not ripped off isn't what I'm looking for, but you know what I mean. Uh, if they had instant replay that it could have uh, spared them some of those, those well, emotions and feelings.
5: Well, I'm, I'm not speaking necessarily for the ref that, that, you know, that, that, like I said, it's probably the best ref in the state, but um, I would think that he would want to watch the replay. And I, I think I've mm-hmm. seen that done before here in the state where, um, he uh, went back and saw the replay of what was going on and had ruled something, um, mm-hmm. and I think that's that's, that's the case here. Um, I think he would have he would have done that, but being a rookie referee, I think he didn't have that. You know, he, he got into that kind of opportunity where he didn't um, he didn't uh, consider it. He didn't, you know mm-hmm. you know I, I can't look at instant replay or whatever. Um, I think that the referee can absolutely use that as a tool, and I really kind of wish they would have done that done it that night. Uh, because it would have uh, helped with any kind of confusion at what was going on and um, all that as well. Uh, but um, but yeah, I mean it was just it was just really confusing for all of us ringside, knowing knowing what was going on. Why why you know the ref dropped it. But uh, yeah, I think it was just a simple case of a rookie rookie being a rookie and uh, making a rookie mistake there in terms of the refing. So
0: I'm uh, get,
3: that gets overturned also... to a no contest. You also have the idea that Jason has brought up in the chat room that, you know, if you do have instant replay and it's something to look over, you know, you've got to wait 10 minutes to view all angles of it, and by that time, you have the fight to um, off. So even with instant replay, you know, let's say they reviewed that state and they said, okay, she didn't tap, what would you do? Would you restart yeah. them in that position? Would you restart them standing? Well, if the
1: fight's been put off and... and and Jason will let you speak up on this too, but if the fight's already kind of lost its momentum and and the excitement of it, did did they get to maybe start over again? Or is that fight just ruled a no no contest? You know, what what do you do? What is the answer? You know, do you start back over? Uh, You know, ideally, I think as a fighter, you'd be like, all right, since that fight was messed up, let's rule that one a no contest and let's do it again right now tonight. You know, how many fighters do you think would agree to that?
5: Yeah, well, I mean, I'd be interested to hear if, if there were options for, for, for fighters like that. I mean, Emily, I think the good news for Emily was that she ended up fighting again that night um, against a different opponent, but, um, you know, because I don't think she wanted to go six months with, um, with having that controversial win on, under her belt. Um, so she got at least one solid win that night. But um, I think that, um, you know, I don't think it's going to be 10 minutes. I mean, for us, it was just, I mean, it only took us maybe a minute or so to look at the replay, at least from one angle. But, um, and there wasn't multiple cameras in the arena. There was only, there's only, um, a lot of us were just on one side of the cage. And it it happens that that side of the cage happened to be the side where, um, where the submission happened. And it it was kind of weird because, um, like for most of the fights that you'll see um, me post, um, they were at that side of the cage. So I really got some really good angles that way. But uh, um, but yeah, there wasn't a, a film crew there as much as there were other you know other people there just filming just for fun or or for other purposes. There was a couple of news stations that were there filming as well. So um, I, it doesn't really take you that much um, to uh, you know to, to load up a, a quick little view of what was going on. Um, I don't really need I don't necessarily need to, to have uh, really multiple angles. It's just a question of what angle is the best one to look at and and see what were what what happened and. Um, so I don't think ten, 10 minutes is going to you know going to be be that 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 much. I think it's going to be even less. I've seen them do it for you know like maybe a minute. You know, just go out go outside the cage real quickly, watch it, and then um, see what was going on, and then rule whatever you have to rule. Um, and if in this case it was even it was no contest, obviously. So um, I don't think there would have been you know you know they could take as much time as they want in the world. They just need to, to rule it to be, be an open, no contest. So um, it's kind, of, kind of my opinion on the situation.
1: Jason, let us know what you think, since you're with us.
5: Well,
7: normally I agree with Mark, but I 100% disagree this time. Um, You watch a football game. They go to instant replay. Yes, they want the best angle, but they've got ten angles to look at before they decide which angle is the best angle. Now, in this case, there was only one. That's fine. But you still, if, if this is like the UFC or Bellator, They're not just going to say, okay, that's probably the best one, so we'll go with that angle. They're going to look at every angle to decide what the best angle is, and then they're going to sit, especially if it's something like a low blow, they're going to watch it over and over until they come to a decision. It's going to take time. In baseball, you can watch a replay on TV and say, okay, that's obviously what the right call is. But the referees don't take it. The umpires don't just do that. They take time and watch it and watch it and watch it. And like in a UFC or something, when it's super important, that's what they're going to do. And like me, for my example, I don't fight, but like when I cornered Sarah, when I cornered her, if something like that happened and she had to stand around forever and had totally cooled off, I wouldn't want her to start the fight over. She's totally cooled off by that point. I wouldn't want her to start the fight over. To me, if they want to replay, I'm fine, replay. But if they have to overturn the decision, to me, you make it a no contest and tell them they can rematch it some other time.
1: Mm, that's true, too. Uh, no contest, I think, would probably be the best way to go. If, if they had instant replay in the UFC, do you think that it would be fair if they had the referee that's in the cage but then they had a panel maybe that only did uh, instant replay um,
7: oh, yeah. decisions? That's what they do, for example, with baseball. The umpires, if if they go to replay, the umpires on the field have no say in it anymore. They go, they call New York, and there's umpires sitting in New York who watch all the angles, and they make the decision of whether it's overturned or not. So, yeah, I would like to have people sitting out there. If they do that, I'd like to have other referees sitting out there watching it, but I just Mm -hmm. think it would take too long, personally. Yeah, Yeah, well,
5: yeah. You've got to kind of understand that, you know, obviously this is a smaller promotion. I mean, if, if it was the oh, UFC, I, I, mean, I could absolutely see it. But, um, but, yeah, this is a smaller promotion, and obviously they didn't have that, um, you know, have that, um, you know, that opportunity to be able to do it. But I, I still just cock it up to, to you know, a rookie referee being a rookie referee and, and making a take in terms of it. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, um, I, I, you know, I, I think all looks different because you're moving down the field. There is – I mean, you could you, you the hat, look at different angles, but there's usually just one angle that you need one or two angles you need to know uh, the tap. Then you know, then you know, obviously look at the look at the uh, the where, where where supposedly the hap happened or um, where the hands are um, in terms of the um, and, and and again, this is kind of instantaneous. I, I don't think it takes 10 minutes to set up. It it takes maybe a couple, you know, maybe a minute. Because okay, we'll we'll put up this angle, we'll put up this angle, we'll put up this angle. We'll so if the UFC ever did it, I I think it would be pretty much instantaneous. I mean, look at look at when they do replays for the audience. You know, we can see what's going on. It usually only takes about a minute or so to to, to compile that. So um, Yeah, So but I don't we also we also have those times where they it looks like there's
7: a low blow, and they replay it six or seven times and you still can't tell whether it's definitely a low blow or not.
1: It looks like a low blow from one angle, but from another angle, you can tell it clearly hit, you know, somewhere else. That's the one that I see as well. Uh, You're like, oh, that was definitely, you know, a shot to the groin, but yet they take it from, like, underneath the left leg on the right side, and you're like, oh, yeah, that totally hit him, you know, just above the knee. I I did see that one, you know, so it's hard to say, like, how like what kind of a quality instant replay team would you need, and if it's going to have to get into all that, who really benefits from instant replays? For you know, would it only be bigger promotions if that's where you're going with it? You know. Mm-hmm. I don't know, guys. We 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 haven't come to a very good decision tonight. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah, this is one of those situations where, it, yeah, it was. It's it, it's it's a very debatable, uh, debatable situation um, of of where you know that kind of heads and all that as well. So you know, I I you know I respect everybody's opinion. So uh, you know, one of those things that's going to be debated in, in in everywhere you could possibly think of. So, I you know I think
1: that to come to the best answer, not necessarily the right answer, is that. Um, maybe instant replay can't be uh used to 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 fix a fight uh in you know and let them go back and redo something or or you know maybe it can only be used in certain instances where you need to see an exact position uh if you you know something has happened or maybe in the case like we talked about with Jessamine and, and Miriam that after the fights are over if there's anything questionable the referees can go back and decide you know what, I want to review the tape and make sure I made the right call before, you know, bonuses are awarded. In some cases, it, it, it could be very beneficial, but it's not going to work 100% of the time. Does that make sense?
7: Well, yeah. Here's my other problem with it, too, though. Let's, you know, think Gina and Emily are fighting, and mm-hmm. Emily's got a submission on Gina, and it's very tight. And, by the way, Emily, you're welcome for me putting you in the dominant position. But <laughs> Emily's, got Gina. Emily's got Gina in a choke. And the referee thinks there was a tap, but there wasn't, and he stops it. And they have to rest- you have to restart again right now. Is it fair to Emily to restart when she had that choke and it was very close? And what if Gina comes back then and wins the fight? Didn't Emily just get screwed by them wow. restarting the fight?
5: I agree with you on that. It should be called a no contest. You know.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I
5: think that they can review it in
1: in cases where it's like, you know, what we're not gonna we're not gonna start you over. This is a no contest, and you know, there's no it's a no contest because there's there's no way that you could foresee uh, an outcome to the fight. Uh, with those two given variables, there's there's no definite clear answer. When a choke is on to a certain extent, you know that no matter whether or not they tap or not, they're going out. But when there's two variables is where if you just moved a little bit this way or that way, that you can't predict a definite outcome, that's where the no contest comes in. And I, and I think that you could, you know, uh, justify using instant replay in that case to rule no contest, uh, not necessarily which way it's going to go.
7: I have another question, okay. Gina, How long have you been training? How long have you been training?
1: Uh, since two thousand and
7: nine. And Emily, how long have you been training?
3: Since two thousand twelve.
7: Gina, why did you let Emily get you in the choke?
1: <laughs> That's a valid question. <laughs> See, I'm a fan with you right now. Oh, I know, damn
3: the only way, or the best medicine, the way to get out of something is not to get into it in the first place. That's but true. with that being said, like we've done, dead zone drills in class where someone will have you in an armbar, they will lock that armbar in, or they'll have you in a rear naked choke and they'll lock it in, and you have to fight out of it. And there are times that even when you start over in that position, the opponent having that submission locked in does not get it.
1: So mm-hmm. That there's
3: always that kind of question or that factor added in.
1: That's true. That's true. I don't know. We'll have to. We'll have to just say that this is an unanswerable question for tonight, guys. <laughs> uh, with that, do, do either of you have anything that you want to add? Because I think Emily and I basically covered everything that we were going to cover. Any questions? Uh, anything that you guys want to add to the show before we close?
5: Um. Okay. Um, Mark, I, I will. I will, I, will, I will do my spiel. First of all, um, absolutely outstanding set of bites. Um, all of them, most of them, are going to be published. Um, I don't know if the main event will be. Fingers crossed, it will be at some point <laughs>
1: um,
5: because um, because uh, Liz's management does not want me to post it. For oh, the I, um
1: I forgot about that shit. We were actually going to talk about it, Mark. I'm glad you brought that up.
5: <laughs> I think
1: you know. If for the listeners that don't know, the fights are recorded. And it could have been a pay-per-view. They were trying to set it up, which is why I don't agree with her manager. I do understand that some fighters don't want their fights out there. I understand that. Some fighters are more private. They don't want the fights out there. You know, they don't want people posting it if they can help it. But come on. You're a professional. Your fight should change to where you're not that worried about people figuring your style out. I, I, Mark, I am sorry for you because that's probably one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard in my life is that they might sue you for doing your job and what you were there for as a media person to record fights and show them to the public.
5: I, I, I just well, found that out. Yeah, outrageous. <laughs> yeah it, it was. It was a little bit outrageous for them for them to say that. And, um, you know, it wasn't like I was the only one there filming. Um, you know, uh, Stephanie Skinner's crew was filming, filming it as well and they posted theirs, um, you know, although the fisheye thing was a little bit distracting when they did theirs. Um, but um, there were plenty of people that were reporting anyway. Um, and um, they were spotting something about likeness rights, which really, to tell you the truth, I mean, I'm not profiting from this. I'm, 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 I'm a non-for-profit website at the moment. I don't have sponsors, so there's just nothing that really, really you guys can sue me for, basically. Um, you know, I mean, her manager, you know, went up to me after the fight. She was very cordial after he first confronted me. Um, I don't know if that was because he got wind of what I was saying online. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it was a, you know, a situation where, um, a situation where, I mean, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's going to be out somewhere. if somebody wants to see it? I don't think it was because, I don't I don't know if it was because of, of, of the fact that, um, you know, that. He was he was worry, worried about um, you know how she looked in the fight. Actually, she looked pretty decent in the fight. So um, mm-hmm. I think it was they said that something about likeness rights, and it was like, well, well, I mean, I mean, I'm not i I'm, I'm not putting up a commercial. And the only commercials I have up there are the sponsors for the show that got you that got you but over there to the show oh. in the first place. Um, so there is some mm-hmm. some rights there that they're they're paying you to fight on the card, and part of that deal usually is when, when you when you have when you have the agreement is that that video might be available to sponsors and whatever. So,
0: um,
5: you know, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what they're um, – it's kind of, I guess, call it fuzzy logic of what they were doing. Um, but, um, but, yeah, I mean, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm debating it. Actually, I'm going to talk to Shannon this week a little bit about it because I really want her advice to how I, proceed, I should proceed forward on this. But, um, I, like I said, there's other videos out there as well. And if you guys want to watch the video, you know, message me on Facebook. I'll give you the link. Uh, to what I have, I just have it private because um, I don't know exactly what I'm going to do yet. But um, but yeah, I mean it was it was just you know weird, and it was just me. I mean um, Rosa also um, got confronted, who was who the matchmaker on the show uh, about you know not wanting to post, you know don't let anybody post their you know, don't don't let them post the video. And it's like I said, like said other other people already did. So it's one of those things where they posted their video up and it might be a situation where well, I said well they they posted their video up um on on the site so you know it's pretty much already out there so I don't think you have anything to worry about necessarily but I don't know we'll see I I I Jason, I, I, I my my opinion is it probably will be posted publicly um by the end of the week but um we'll see what happens Jason do you, uh, this my
1: opinion is, is you know some fighters don't want their fights up and I understand that you know uh they don't like uh, other fighters haven't filmed a study on them. I understand that I do, but in the same point, if Rosa and, and the people that were running the fight invited you there as media to to post the fights up, I don't understand how they have a leg to stand on, and that and that's what you were doing there. Uh, yeah, Jason, yeah. do you have the opinion?
7: I'm sorry. Um, I do have an opinion, and before I finish, after the opinion, I forgot I do have something I wanted to add. But my opinion is this. Um, I do find it interesting how everyone is just assuming, and maybe people there know better, but everyone is just assuming Liz didn't have anything to do with it. I mean, has Liz come out and said, I have nothing to do with this? Um, My theory is this, and it's going to sound like I'm putting Liz down, and I don't mean it to sound like that, but my opinion is, Just because of the Jessica Philippus fight, Liz got this all-of-a-sudden reputation as, uh, you know, Miss Stand-Up Freak. And from what I understand, Cassie was doing very well in the stand-up against Liz. And no secret, Liz would like to get back at Invicta. And Mm -hmm. do you really want a fight out there where someone who's not known for their striking is hanging you with you in the striking when you're supposed to be Miss Captain Stand-Up?
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I need to oh. exp- I need to explain something too, and I I, I should have explained this earlier, and I, I apologize. Um, Rosa was approached before the fight, not to post
0: it, mm-hmm.
5: and um, oh. I want to make, sa- okay. make sure that's clear. Um, hmm. So it wasn't it wasn't necessarily about the fight itself, and that's why I kind of nope. know that. And as far as I know, I mean, you know, Liz hasn't said anything a word to me at all about about the situation because I didn't talk to her. And you know, I I talked to her talked to her uh, boyfriend, I guess, her 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 uh, let, me, let me let me let me put that term let me put that term out there, bro <laughs> boyfriend <laughs> manager.
7: Okay, well then I change my story. I no longer go with what I just said, and instead I'm going to change it to, they just sound really poopy.
5: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, you know, I, and and I mean, here, yeah. Here's the thing: the, the the promotion gave me permission to do it because they didn't have a film crew there. Um, the fighters obviously wanted their fights. All the rest of the fighters wanted their fights out there. They wanted they wanted to be posted so people can see them. And um, they actually, I guess, from what Rosa told me, they actually you know clapped that I was going to post the video. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, I've been getting a lot of demand for, for it, and, and it was kind of funny because after after the fights, those people that didn't make it out to the fights, a lot of these guys. Had already heard about how the event went, and they're like going, "Oh, what, do, you, do you know when the uh, when the video is going to be posted?" And I said, "Well, well, here's my card. Go to my website. I'll I'll be posting it this week." So, um, yeah, I'm not exactly sure. I mean, uh, you know, I think it's just a situation where they they're, they're thinking that I'm going to make money off of it, which I'm not going to make money off of this at all. And they said the only the only sponsorships, uh, you know, things I have on the um, on the video is the sponsors that literally sponsored the fight that got you guys out there so um yeah it was that kind of situation and so um i said so i'm going to consult with, with 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 Shannon but i'm pretty sure she's going to tell me i should I, I i should be able to to be able to post those fights considering that the promotion had given me permission to, to post it yeah I, um, i'm going
1: to agree with i'm going to agree with that but just because the promotion is the one putting on the event there's the there's the owner- of, you know, anything that's filmed and copyrighted uh, or, or anything like that. So they, it being their event and her agreeing to be a person that has filmed on it. And number one, if the promotion didn't say no filming allowed, uh, I think it becomes a problem there. But if they're number one, they were searching for a live, feed person. Rosa talked about it on the show. So if it's understood that we're going to try and have a live feed or that these fights are going to be taped and put out to the public before the show even begins because it was very clear to me that that's what they were going to do when she came on the show. It was very apparent to me that that's what you were even going to be there for to help with uh, live streaming, possibly even uh, commentating and, and putting it out there. If it's understood that this is what their goal and their pursuit is, if they give you permission to film it and put it up for them in order to show the fights for the event that she was fighting for, I like, I think likeness, using her likeness and worried about making money off of her likeness is the excuse that they're hoping will uh, work if they did ha- threaten to see you. But I don't think it's the actual reason. I, I think they don't want yeah. her fight out there for opponents to study. That's that's what I believe and that's what I think. Mm.
5: Yeah, you know, and you know, like I said, um, it's, it's a little bit tough considering that there's other people that already have posted video, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, and so I mean, there's there's little excuse in that that at all, and um, you know, there are some empty threats. Um, I'll say quote unquote empty threats by them, because I was kind of laughing, mm-hmm. having to laugh it off a little bit um, about some of the threats that that were that were launched onto me, and I, you know, it was like one of those things where. You know, they 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 said, oh, we know certain people, what I like the people that that you know I know have known longer and have you know they have a lot of respect for me. So, you know, you know, you know, I brush that off. You know, like you know, whatever, you know, whatever you guys, you know, you know, do whatever. But yeah, I mean, it was it was a you know, I mean, I mean, it's 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 hard the a fighter. You know, you you got you got to learn, you got to adapt, and um, you know if if you're worried about people looking in on your ninja secrets or whatever, I mean, they could easily just, even even if they ban, you know, all filming or whatever, they can talk to your last opponent and say, how did she do what to look out for, you know, and that's a little bit more damaging anyway than in a, what, a, what a film would show because um, they could say, oh, well, she had a tendency to do this or she had a tendency to do that. Um, so um, it's kind of a, you know, it's just something that, you know, you know, you shouldn't worry about it as a fighter. You know, I mean, if anything, you're there. You're, you're you're there to perform. You're you're there to be a fighter. You're there to fight. You're not there to fight. You know, in in you know in a gym, in the middle of a gym with with no audience whatsoever. You're they're there with a bunch of people watching you fight, and um you know you know and well, people deserve the right to be able to see
1: Ultimately, your goal is to be televised, I would think, and I kind of went through that this weekend, and it's something I talked about a little bit, is uh, part of like, uh, with the fights, and losing, and you know, one thing that irritated me, is that I feel like, you know, people were like, oh, she must have got ran through, and I'm like, that's not the case, I did really well, and you know, people come up to me afterwards, and they're like, oh, keep your head up, and you did good, and I'm like, I know I did good, and you get this attitude of you know what i'm glad you got I'm glad you got your forty dollars worth of entertainment out of you know my fight, and you know we're so entertained and now you feel compelled to to keep my chin up but as a fighter and as an entertainer, you've really got to put it in a new perspective and and really rethink about how to approach fans in that these people can't sympathize with how you feel as a fighter at the moment, but you do as a fan, as a fighter, have to sympathize with how the fan feels. Because essentially they are who is paying your fight purse. If the fan is not there uh, buying the ticket, then you don't have have anybody to fight for. And if they're not entertained by you and they're not loving what you're doing and they can't see you and you're not viewable – you're not getting paid. And, then, you know, and I relate that back to even what I did. This weekend I was taken very good care of by Rumble Time, who I fought for in Missouri. You know, they paid my gas to get me out there. They they comped me, you know, $200 worth of meals at the motel. and It was very great. They spent probably almost $500 bringing me out somewhere. So to turn around and be a sore loser when people are trying to, you know, be polite and tell me, you know, that they enjoyed my fight even though I'm kind of feeling a little down is not a proper way to react. And that's kind of how I feel it relates to, to Liz and what she's doing. This is not a proper way to react as someone involved in sports entertainment to the people who are basically paying you. Does that make sense on, on how what I'm connecting? Yeah. yeah um,
5: also, I mean, I mean you've got to give it up to Cassie, too. I mean, and I, I know Jason's going to love this. Um, Cassie actually looked pretty good, even though she lost. You know, I actually had it 29, 28. I didn't have it 30, 27. Um, right. You know, I think Cassie looked a lot better. Um, I think that, you know, um, even, even, um, even uh, Shannon said it was closer than, uh, than, 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 the, uh, than the judges had thought. And, I mean, that means a lot for, for gals like Cassie to have the video out there and have people like Shannon be able to be able to watch it. Now, I asked if I could share the, share the video with Shannon, and he, he, he said yes. It just can't be out mm-hmm. in the public. I don't know why, you know, why, you know, why exactly that is, that was in this case. Which is really, I was like, it's really stupid because the public is
1: it's who you want to see it and who you want to have call for you to fight again. Otherwise, how are you going to get paid?
5: Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, go ahead, well not,
7: well, not at all. You know, mentioning Cassie, I was, it, it, that's a, to me a good excuse for why the videos are good. Is for example, right after the fight. A certain douchey Long Island resident who did not see the fight tweeted, "Liz McCarthy coasts to a victory over Cassie Webb." Well, without the video, people are going to see Mr. Douchey's or from Long Island's tweet and think that Liz just destroyed her, and right. the video okay. obviously shows otherwise.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, yeah. It's important. It's important to note that Cassie looked absolutely great in that fight. She looked. 110% better than she did last time. And it would just happened that that Liz was was um, ended up getting getting the W in the column, but um, you know, like I said, that it, it kind of, you know, it, it does blur that this perception that is. And I know we're running out of time. I think we're going to be about out of time oh, we're going to get cut off. <laughs> we're going to get cut off in about three minutes. Guys. Yeah, uh, but anyway, but, I'll I'll uh, do my bugs real quick. Yeah, WombatSports.com. Um, Check out the videos there. Uh, at Sports on Twitter, at one, my one Sports on Facebook, and we'll have the video of of all the ICF matches hopefully on um, coming up this week. Go ahead, Jay- Jason. Give a little shout out um, for voting for, for women. I, as well. I don't have my. You no, know, I, I don't want to plug
7: them because I got other things. I forgot. Um, Gina is aware, but not many people are. Um, I'm trying to put together my own all female event. Um, I actually have four fighters pros who asked if they could fight for me and I even mm-hmm. have like one fight all set up if they both of them agreed to it but it's not easy so if anyone would like to help sponsor wise and throw some money my way I'm a very accepting <laughs> right? person so
0: Absolutely.
7: I'm accepting I, I take happily so if anyone wants to help me with that get on it damn it <laughs> where do
1: you hope for this to take place at Jason
7: Um, Ohio, because I'm not flying anywhere for anything ever in my life. So it'll be in Ohio. And my hope would be, my goal would be by the end of the year. But that's if I can, because I I got money coming. So I think I can do it. And then, like, either you and Emily would either fight or you'd come be my commentators. That's up to you. Uh (laughs) But... I got it because I can just drive you guys and I don't got to pay extra money to fly you, so I'm just (laughs) going to drive.
5: Well, what am I, top Uh, (laughs) (laughs) lever?
7: But you don't
2: have to fly.
1: (laughs) Well, let's get it together, guys. I I really appreciate you guys helping out and uh, coming on the show and chatting it up with us tonight. I think we missed you. We took a week off last week and we missed everybody, so it was nice to get back together and... uh, and hash some stuff out, and with that, I think we'll be done for the night before we get cut off. Uh, good night, Mark, and good night, Jason. All right. good night. Good night, Emily. And uh, thank you for tuning in to Pro WMMA Now uh, with the Pro MMA Now dot com Radio Network. Be sure to check us out on Facebook and Twitter. You can find Emily at EBART. You can find me at Gina Jellybee. You can catch us on iTunes or on the go with Stitcher Radio. Be sure to catch us there. Check out our show sponsors, Bangtown Fightwear and the Mile High Grizzlies. And with that, we're done. Send an email uh, or a direct message through Facebook to myself or Emily if you have any questions or would like to hear someone on the show, G-G-I-N-A, G-G-I-N-A at Yahoo.com. And with that, we say goodnight. Meow good